0: much death. What can men do against such reckless hate? Ride out with me.
1: Ride out and meet them.
0: For death and glory.
1: For Rohan, for your
0: people. The horn of Helm, Hammerhand, will sound in the deep one last time. And welcome, everyone. This is our 231st take of LL Fumar Takes. I'm so glad, so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. Things are always start off a little bit differently when we do shows like this, but I am so glad that you are here. I'm your host, Barry DuPlessis, as always, and I've got a panel of guests tonight to talk about the 20th anniversary of one of cinema's most treasured trilogies, Uh, but we'll be doing the second installment of that. We'll get to all those details in just a few minutes, Uh, but before that, we have to thank our show's sponsors, and uh, tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. Unveiled during Drew Estate's Freestyle Live Special Edition broadcast on September 28th and then sampled at the Kentucky Barn Smoker and Drew Estate Presents Savage Feast, and cigars m81 by drew estate is now shipping to participating drew diplomat program members in the united states that's right the Black Index cigars m81 by drew estate is a dark bold and unapologetic collaboration into what rob jonathan and uh i believe is the perfect full-body cigar says james headfield of metallica yes that's right sports fans or music fans Metallica's James Hetfield partnering up with Drew Estate for the Black and Cigar M81 by Drew Estate now shipping to participating Drew Estate Diplomat Drew Diplomat program members right here in the United States so get your tail to one and try out an M81. Yes, that was an unfortunate rhyme but I'm rolling with it anyway. Uh tonight's guest uh, sponsored by United Cigar. Smoke one today and start living united. This is our 231st take. Welcome, gentlemen, mister's Matt Ty, Trip Waldrift, and Sam Spencer. How are we doing tonight?
2: Fantastic! Excited to be here. Always happy to uh to show up on your show, Bear. Uh, I'm I'm thrilled to be back. I'm very excited for tonight's show.
1: Loving
3: every second of it. So grateful to be with you guys and talk about. I mean, nerd stuff. Bring it on. Love it.
0: The huge nerd is in the house. Matt Ty. I was going to how- say, the
3: huge nerd himself.
0: Uh, the huge nerd himself. How about that cigar? How about that how about nerd? about dunk? that cigar? Matt Ty. Matt, uh, you're the only one affiliated with anything. So I, I feel bad that I didn't give you any pub there. Sorry about that. Matt Ty, how about that cigar?
3: <laughs> it ain't nothing, brother.
0: So uh, welcome. This is uh, this this we I tried I tried in, in vain. I know you had uh, you had a, a really good excuse. I believe it was a uh, your your wedding anniversary that you couldn't make. We did the fellowship uh, last last year, and I wanted to get you on for that, but uh, you weren't able to come on. So I knew when we did the two towers, I had to get you back on. So thankful that you were able to come on, and uh, we're really excited about uh, about uh, going through this and smoking some good cigars, drinking some good beverages, and uh, All that jazz. So uh, what what are you uh, smoking and drinking on tonight, Matt? We're going to bump this up a little bit. I know I had this later in the program.
3: Because it's the two towers, I thought this immediately entered my head. So I reached in the bottom drawer of my humidor, stuff that's aging. And I got the two-count cabinet of the Liga A's from Drew Estate. So I am going to smoke one of the two towers tonight. Maybe the show will be long enough for both of them. We'll see. And uh, drinking, I have some, as as usual, I have multiple alcoholic beverages because I have problems. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I you have, have
0: solutions. People who I don't have. have...
3: <laughs> Thank you. That's right. I have uh, oatmeal milk stout, uh, mood juice, red velvet, from uh, uh, from Brow Brothers Brewing Company, just about 150 miles west of minneapolis mood uh, juice that
0: definitely does sound like a solution that definitely doesn't sound
3: like a problem it is definitely a solution and i also uh have some lovely eh taylor uh bourbon so i mean when i'm on with with guys of this caliber i gotta bring the good stuff
0: the good stuff indeed what uh, um so i guess this, this is like the the twix question are you going with the left or the right here
3: uh i am going with uh as as i see it the left okay so that's that's now about to be uh set ablaze
0: have you ever have you ever smoked one
3: i have it's been a while uh this this particular uh coffin uh i got in these are old i got these in 2016.
4: wow
0: awesome yeah it's got some age
2: I used to have a humidor that could like barely fit those. And so I was like, I got to smoke this because it's in the way of everything else. Yes. And I finally, (laughs) I finally like found a chance to smoke both of them. And I immediately came across another box somehow. I don't remember where, whether it was like Safari or some kind of media thing or what, but it's happened. It happened twice where I was like, I got to get rid of this thing. It's in the way. And I, I still have to.
0: There you go. Uh, Yeah. If I smoke them.
2: I'll end up with more, I'm
0: sure. <laughs> luck, luck of the draw. Yeah, luck of the draw. So, I uh, welcome Trip Walter. Welcome back, Trip. This is. Thank uh, you. Uh, uh, I'm I'm sad to say you're back in the running for holding the record of appearances on for Marte. So, uh,
5: but, am I tied uh, now?
0: No, a couple people are one ahead of you. But you're you're you're. I mean that, I'll catch up. I'll catch up. I know. I was gonna say that that's that's that says a lot. So I mean, you you're you're the record holder (laughs) for quite some time, and everything. But it's great to have you back. Um, you know, if we do some more of these films and if we do some more pairing shows, I mean, shoot, man, you'll 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 break the record and no one will ever. I'm down for either. Get it. So let me know.
2: Give me a date. Absolutely.
0: Um, we gotta we gotta wait for Dennis to you know stop having kids.
2: (laughs) Yeah, he's been busy lately.
0: Congrats to our good friend Dennis Fang who couldn't make it tonight. So uh, the growing family man, I love it. It's beautiful. So, um, but Trip, well, what are you? Uh, what are you smoking? What are you drinking?
2: All right. So right now, uh, and for the pregame, I was having a baca. Man, I'm, I got to get this light lighting worked out. Uh, but I'm having a baca from Roma Craft, The I can't remember the name of the size because who can? Uh, but it's a Corona Gorda, whatever the the name of that size is, and. Okay. I have, as Matt said, I you know um, I got to keep a bench when when I'm drinking on a show because you never know what's gonna happen. You never know what you're gonna feel like. Sure. Uh, so I have I'm drinking a uh, Jungle Bird right now, which is a pineapple, campari, and rum tiki drink.
4: And then I got I uh, I
2: haven't decided whether I'm going with some diplomatico, or whether I'm in a mezcal mood and going for some. Oh. I'm just saying until
0: we got oh, to the Minnesota. mezcal We were like embracing your inner Floridian You know they're, they're like you've got the oh, tiki <laughs> drink The, the rum
2: <laughs> I mean when it's when it's 80 degrees For most of November um, You got to keep the tiki drinks going You know oh, like and then the,
0: Last time we saw you you were in Oregon You know you're drinking yeah. like stouts And you know
2: <laughs> I mean not much has changed there uh, Last up I've got a sweet baby Jesus Stout from Duclaw There you uh, go Sorry, porter, not stout, but it's the. I think this is like to me, this is the beer that actually tastes like peanut butter. There's so many peanut butter stouts and peanut butter porters out there that uh, are lacking, they taste yes. like boiled peanuts.
0: Thank so, you. So help but me, God. Like peanut butter. So help me, God. I thought you were going to say this is actually the beer that tastes like Jesus. <laughs>
2: some might say, so- some might say.
0: So help me god i thought you were coming with that i was like my god i mean i guess you could take was, a little bit i was like that that is that is some that is some arrogance there here we go uh, uh trip we're coming back up to you here in just a second i gotta i need your help with something but uh, uh that leaves sam 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 spencer joining us again sam thank you so much uh this is, our, um, this is our fourth movie together, right? We've, uh, we've done the first Fellowship. We did Gladiator. Um, and we've done Ocean's Eleven.
1: Oh, you're right. This is our fourth show. Yeah. That's exciting.
0: Awesome times. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, of
1: all of those movies, this one may be my favorite of them. Um, wait, is this our fourth? Wait, we did The Godfather, didn't
0: we? Oh, no, this is our fifth. Yeah, we did The Godfather. That's right. The Godfather. Here we go. Uh,
1: but tonight, I'm smoking a drag Redux to start. Nice. Um, I've got a couple of tuxels in my pocket because there's no way the cigar lasts all show because this is the Lord of the Rings yeah. extended editions we're talking Ex- about.
0: Here. Extended editions because you know we're huge nerds. Well, Matt's the huge nerd. The rest of us are just you know nerds by comparison. <laughs> we're lowercase so. huge. We're lowercase huge nerds. All right, so uh, Trip, as a, as a as a token of appreciation uh, for having you come back uh, after your small Hades, I'd like you to do the honor tonight of uh, of of picking my first cigar. So I've got some choices here for you. Uh, like you, I have the Baca. Uh, this is the Grand Perfecto size. Nice. Um, I have the uh, newest from the from Byron. You know, uh, selected tobacco. So this is the uh, Selección 1850. This is the stronger Ooh. one. It's got the Hero in it. Uh, I have, and then I have two aged cigars. I have an aged uh, Tatuaje uh, Karloff and an aged uh, Brulee, Sober Mesa Brulee, from Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. So whatever uh, you would like me to smoke.
2: I'm going to go with, man, this is a, a big decision for me. I'm going to go with the Karloff because... Okay. I have been on a self-induced tatuaje kick because I decided that since I had two of his advent calendars, I should just do one for Thanksgiving and one for Christmas.
0: That makes total sense. Yeah. So I've been smoking
2: a lot of tiny little tatuajes.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. So awesome. Got some yellow. So not quite doing the justice with the lighting, but got a nice little yellow to it. Well, gentlemen, let's let's go ahead and get started. We've got the logistics out of the way. Uh, the Greetings fun time so let's go ahead and dive in here um so we are here for the 20th anniversary of lord of the rings the two towers um and as uh as we did this last time uh for fellowship i'd like to dedicate tonight's show to my sister reagan uh who actually introduced me to the lord of the rings uh introduced me into and introduced me to art in general she is a uh, a registrar for the um uh, prestigious Whitney Museum of Modern Art in New York City um and so we're going to feature that and uh another charity tonight so if you uh feel so called to the arts uh you can go to their website which will be available in the show notes and uh donate to some donate some money to a fantastic museum help my keep my sister employed uh but actually bring great art to the community of New York and all its many tourists so uh well, gentlemen, let's just go back to uh, the first time that we saw this film. You know, uh, we were all we all had different experiences with it. Uh, um, yes, the uh, the age jokes for Sam are coming. So don't don't you fret, everybody. So I, I thought uh, they
2: were coming for. Oh, 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 because oh, yeah. Com- yeah, I, they're, yeah, they're I was like, there, yeah, coming they're coming for Matt, man. Yeah,
0: they're they're coming for <laughs> Matt, too. So we're going to we're going to we're going to go high and low on this show. This is going to be great. So uh, so, trip, let's start with you. Uh, um, I believe you and I were uh, you and I saw it, uh, you know, we're Around the same age, and we both saw it in the theater, not together, obviously, but yeah. But, uh, but yeah, tell me about, tell us about your experience with the, uh, the two towers. Uh,
2: late, late high school was, uh, is not very memorable for me for a variety of reasons. <laughs> um, I think partially just because I did a lot, I was very busy. I was, did a lot of stuff, I guess. Uh, but I lived in a small town in Connecticut and, uh, we lived on South Main Street. So it was, Probably about a quarter mile from like Main Street, which was like uh, in these small Connecticut towns, you might not know, but it's it's a thing like they all have like the main strip where uh, it's almost the only place in town that's not pretty much just houses. And then you usually have a highway that runs into other towns. But this is your town's place. Uh, But they had a little movie theater there. I, I believe they had three screens there. Like it was a tiny theater that had been there since the 30s or so. Um, and was very historical, but also kind of uh, old hat. Uh, so it was within walking distance from my house. So we walked up there and saw the movie at midnight after having seen Fellowship of the Rings. And I mean, you know, everybody's freaking out about these movies back then. And I remember seeing it on this little screen in these uncomfortable seats. And then uh, probably sometime later in the weekend, so probably like Saturday-ish, we went to uh, the the nice theater, which was like 40 minutes away uh, so that we could see it in style. But I remember absolutely loving it, especially Helm's Deep, like just the the, I don't know. This movie has stuff that is very common
4: now, but you did not see like battles like Yeah,
0: we're. I mean, we're. we're I mean, we're. All, there's. I, I. imagine we're gonna spend a, quite a bit of time. Yeah. Talking about Helm's Deep, but. Uh, but yeah, there's some. There's some. There's some epic firsts, I think, in this for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Matt, uh, you were in high school too, um, even though <laughs> obviously, <laughs> even though you lie about your age. Uh, so, uh, Matt's our, one of our contemporaries as well. So, yeah, Matt, what, were you busy in high school as well, as, as Tripp so eloquently put it. <laughs>
3: Oh yeah, 2002 I was really busy in high school. I was uh I was I was 31 years old. No, I was yeah, 31 years old. Uh and I was uh my wife and I had a 1-year-old and um yeah, I no, I was not I did not I do not have a high school memories of this movie, but um and and because you know we had a young baby at home you know i i don't i'm i i don't recall exactly but i'm certain we didn't see this you know right away on opening weekend it was probably week 2 or week 3 that we went to the theater to see it and you know movies like this my wife goes to humor me uh, she enjoys them but it's not really her it's not really her wheelhouse so you know she would go to humor me to go to lord of the rings or star wars that kind of thing um and but this this movie really, um, I mean, appropriately so, really took the journey to the next level. The scale of this film is absolutely epic in every way. I mean, the scale of of the fellowship was great, but it really just set the stage. The scale of the Two Towers film is is still even 20 years later, it's massive in scale. It's massive in every way from the sets to the, the amount of extras to, to the battles, like, like Trip mentioned, the battle scenes were, were still are some of the most mind boggling uh, battle scenes ever put to film. And there's, there's hearts and there's, and there's laughs and there's there's great battles and there's great phenomenal acting and music and it's i, I absolutely love everything about this this part of the trilogy
0: i'm going to ask this question to you matt cuz i'm also going to ask it to sam too cuz i think the perspectives are like all kidding aside about my jokes about your age like like this was i mean you had a you had a whole childhood of watching films, you know, that were, you know, quote unquote, epic over the years and everything. And then you get to adulthood and then you see like, like you were describing, you see something like this, right. That that kind of transcends the screen in a lot of ways, because, you know, like you, like you read the books when you were a kid and, and that had been a time like you had said, or you had read the Hobbit rather, but to see, to see that kind of world come to, come to life. I know there was a there was an initial one, so this wasn't like the our first introduction to it, but the grandness of it, right? Like Yeah. Like how how did that affect your movie going experience um in like in reflection like looking at all the movies you had seen in the past, but also going forward for the next 20 years.
3: Well, honestly, I think I think it raised my expectations, and you already mentioned uh, another film that that you had talked about on on your show before, and that's Gladiator. And that that film came, uh, what was it, two thousand? The Gladiator came yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. We and did. the scale of that film really did. You know, it's like it's like Die Hard and Lethal Weapon did for shoot 'em up action movies in the eighties. They 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 they. they Placed a higher expectation. The viewers had higher expectations because of the level that those movies went to as far as scale and, and just overall bombastity. And Gladiator did that for uh, you know, so-called sword and shield shield films. And the two towers absolutely raised the bar a hundredfold. I mean, every every film since the two towers has been judged against the epicness of the, if, if it's in that genre of sword and shield, it, it is judged against the two towers. And I don't care. I don't care if that's uh, the, uh, uh, the HBO series, the game of Thrones, game of Thrones and uh, you know, anything that's come out since then in uh, that style of film, it it is it is placed next to the two towers to see how it stands up and two towers still stands up to almost every other film of that genre even 20 years later
0: yeah there's like there's definitely some stuff i want to like peel back and dive into there because like i have some similar feelings but sam like so sam um Uh, you know, I Matt, I guess took you with his Sunday school class to go see this in theaters when you were, you know, in preschool. But, um, but <laughs> all kidding aside, okay, we've done this a number of times now. Like, so you were you were six when this came out, right? Five or six?
1: Five or six, depending on what time of year it was. It was
0: December. Was... So December, yeah. Yeah. So, so. I was. I was six. So. So d- and you, but you started. I remember you watched the Fellowship when you were seven. So like. So you, you, did you, and then what happened that or, or, but you watched them out of order. I can't remember. Help me out here.
1: I watched them out of order. I don't exactly remember how old I was. Maybe like sixth grade, fifth grade, something like something in there. You know, you don't catch all the nuances of the film when you're, that sure. kind of like yeah. for the first time but I watched two towers first because the cousin I was with wanted to watch two towers. I'm like, okay, sure. This looks cool no context whatsoever. I was given no background knowledge. Watched it. Three hours later, I'm sitting there like, that was the greatest movie I've ever seen in my life. After watching, you know, The Battle of Helms Deep, what sixth grader is not going to be. That was the greatest thing ever. Right. Uh, I mean, now, since then, I've read the books and I go back and look at it. I'm like, wow, these movies are a lot deeper than what my initial impressions were, but I still have like if I sit down and watch these movies, I think of me as a kid watching these, and it just brings all this nostalgia back. Because I grew up with these movies being my favorite movies, and they're still in my top ten spoilers for later.
0: But yeah. Well, what is <laughs> yeah, yeah so so like okay, so again, like but contextually, you know, using you just talking about your age here, like a bulk of your You know, a bulk of your growing up or a bulk of your movie-going experience has been the, the, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? You know, I mean, I mean, I don't think that I don't think that's entirely unfair. I mean, this thing is, you know, that's dominated the theaters, uh, you know, going on over a decade now. So, so having seen that again, out of order, not in the theater, but still thinking it's badass and everything. Like, how did that? How did that affect your movie-going experience? you know, into your, into your 20s.
1: Oh, it definitely set the bar high. Uh, like I was saying, because I mean, you compare some of like the battle of Helm's Deep, the stuff they're doing today with modern CGI, and you know, the last season of Game of Thrones is the battle that they tried to compare to Helm's Deep, right? Cause at oh. night and that, that was a disaster. It just, it did not meet up to a movie that was made 20 years ago remotely.
2: I find myself referring to, like, uh, I have a buddy that, like, every couple weeks we talk about what movies we watched and stuff like that. Uh, I constantly am, like, it had Lord of the Rings battles, which is where, like, you have 10,000 guys running at each other and then just swing their swords at each other. But, like, Lord of the Rings makes it super interesting. It's been done a lot since this movie.
0: Mm
5: -hmm. uh,
0: Very badly. Oh, Absolutely. So I was actually going to bring this up, but here's here's the comparison that I wanted to talk about. So I, I want to dive more into Helms Deep later, but like like the the movie that I thought about that came out after this, right? That should have been like on that stage when you think about its grandness, right? Um, but it still doesn't compare, and I don't know what it what it is or what's wrong with it. it was Troy? Right. When you think about the like mm-hmm. that, that initial, not that initial scene, but one of that opening scenes when, you know, the initial attacks, when, you know, the, the Greeks are, you know, are it, it, it smacks of, you know, it smacks of the oracai, you know, charging the wall at, 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 at Helm's Deep yeah. and everything. But it's just, it's just not as good. And like, even like the CGI is not as good. And, and it's just really sad because that, like that, could have that could have been a lot better. I guess I don't know.
3: And I, I like I Troy. Have, I have what I think is a relatively unpopular opinion. I cannot stand that movie, Troy.
0: I no, I don't think that's unpopular. I think I'm weird that I actually like it. I think most people don't. I think I, I think you're in good company there, Matt. I think most people don't like I, it.
3: I think it does have a a couple of redeemable moments but as a as a whole as in in its entirety i i i think it's a, a fail but that's just that's just me i well, think I
2: th- i'm with matt but i haven't seen that movie since i saw it in theaters
0: well most it's people it ruined it ruined orlando bloom for most people so i mean at least for most women because <laughs> he's such I a he was in that movie oh dude he's such a he, yeah he's he's um uh, he's uh paris yeah mm-hmm. and I don't he, think and, the role in, of
1: Pierce is not going to do wonders for anybody in that. Yeah,
0: I, I mean, dude, Bravo to him, and and he, dude, he's he played a spineless piece of shit with the best of them, dude. I gotta tell you, uh, <laughs> you know, that was some brilliant acting by him. It didn't do great for his his uh, his persona, but, uh, um, but yeah, no, but it should have been on that. It should have been on that particular scale. Like like some of the individual fight scenes and everything, like like they're they're up there for me. Like Matt was saying, they're they're pretty redeemable in the eye. I just enjoyed it from a you know a historical perspective as everyone knows I'm a pretty big historian so to see that real that ancient story come to life on the screen at a pretty grand scale was still pretty cool although I still think it fell short of something like this and everything so um but we'll get some more into that um but let's jump let's jump into favorite quotes i, I feel like i think everyone's going to have mine up there so uh i'm i'm not going to steal the thunder this time i'm actually going to take a back seat here um so we're, I'm gonna start. Trip, welcome back. We're gonna start with you, Trip. What's uh what all favorite right. favorite quote from the film?
2: Uh, before I get to that, I have like a little story time thing that I don't know where it will fit, but it's okay. an interesting thing that I like blanked out of my memory as a kid. So, all right. So first of all, I moved to Florida recently. Uh, we got blasted with a hurricane, and so we went up to spend some time with my uncle, uh, just north of Orlando, and. Do you have those, like, those family members that you've known your whole life, but you've never spent, like, one-on-one time as an adult, so you don't really know them? Sure. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah,
4: absolutely.
2: That was my aunt and uncle, That my, my mom's brother and his wife, uh, you know, fond memories for my whole life. A thing that I had completely forgotten about, I know she had told me at one point, my aunt, in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, she was getting her master's degree in Tolkien. She is a Tolkien scholar. She dropped wow. out because she decided like, do I want to focus on my kids or do I want to go for this master's degree? And she was like, it's just books. So I can still learn without finishing school. Uh, so she's like one of the premier Tolkien uh, like scholars in the country. Wow. Okay. I, I had heard it before like i remember thinking like she's super into lord of the rings i i didn't realize she has like an office with a library of just lord of the rings like all it is is tolkien all of tolkien's books short stories collections and then reference material from other people she was showing us maps uh, that people have made of what middle earth is like it was crazy but i I just wanted to say that because I think it's so cool, and that's, it was something that I that's had nuts.
0: not really remembered. Yeah, she sounds like she's into Lord of the Rings a little bit, just a little bit.
2: Yes, uh, so one, one of the other facts about that is that her husband was telling me that she was staying up every Thursday night so she could watch the uh, Rings of Power. And then she'd be up till four on a Zoom call talking to fellow Tolkien scholars about what everything means. And generally she's watched the episode twice by the time he wakes up in the morning. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's uh, into it.
0: That's, anyway. that's dedication.
2: Uh, so, all right, so my favorite quote, it's kind of, it's. I tried to like pare it down to one quote, but I couldn't do it. It has to be like just a, a back and forth scene which is when Gimli says, throw me. Oh, <laughs> and go, goes, What? And he goes, I cannot toss jump me. the distance. You'll have to toss me.
3: <laughs> don't tell the elf.
2: Don't tell the elf. <laughs> don't tell the elf is not... gonna be my one quote, but it doesn't really work without the the toss me part.
3: Uh, yeah, yeah,
0: d- not a single word. Like just yeah.
2: <laughs> just please, please do me one favor and don't tell anybody about this. <laughs> I, I got short legs. There's nothing I can do about it.
0: I love, I love Morgan, uh, Mortonson's uh, exchange in that because yeah. he's pinned up against the wall, and he has the same expression and the same downward look angle from his eye, and and like I, I have to imagine like when I watch that, like I, I see, and I don't know how you guys feel about this, but he's got to be like laughing inside of his head but he still has to keep focused because he's like in the middle of this like epic battle.
2: Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I can't laugh at this guy. <laughs> Not in this moment.
0: <laughs> uh, what do you, what, what was it about that? What you just you just, just how, how it's this moment of humor and like this thing or what? Yeah, like, what,
2: exactly. I, I just love that. It's this moment of humor inside of the, this epic battle. Uh, like you don't get that in most movies. Most movies and epic battle's an epic battle. There's not a lot of in-between. Like they just have the action and then the action's over. And this, like that scene goes on for 30, 40 minutes in the extended edition, at least. Yeah. And it's broken up by all of these smaller scenes that are happening within the battle, which makes it feel even bigger.
1: And Gimli has like four hilarious lines in this movie, too. Yeah, he
2: not is just by
0: it in this movie. <laughs> yeah. I think it's not a line it's not the line that comes with it and i hope i'm not stealing anyone's thing like, but like my, my my favorite Gimli moment in the entire movie is when he slides underneath the orakai on his back right at during during helm's deep and he just smacks this guy in the face and it's yeah and he's just like surprise yeah dwarf here like just uh he he is like
2: i won't he's one of my favorite characters I'll say that he's like, he's just hilarious. And, uh, Reese, what's John Reese Davis, John Reese Davies. I was like Reese Davies. That's not it. Um, he just crushes it as Gimli. I couldn't imagine anybody else's him.
0: He's also the voice for tree bird.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I I read that just today and was not super surprised, but, uh, surprised at the same time. Like it was like, yeah, that kind of makes sense.
0: Yeah. So um Matt what uh, what about you what was your favorite line bare quote
3: Well mine is one of the some people consider it one of the sappy ones but I consider it really meaningful when when Sam looks at Frodo and he's talking about the stories that define us and he says because there's some good in the world and it's worth fighting for you know he's and it's, it, it's sappy as it may be it's 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 Truly meaningful, and uh, it gets me every time. Not gonna lie, every single time. Yeah, that whole monologue is yeah like fantastic. That's yeah, when they're like
1: going over like Helm's Deep and Isengard while he's speaking, that's just yeah, fantastic. yeah, so
3: powerful. Because it's 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 another one of those moments where Frodo is, you know, he's because Frodo's got a big weight to carry, and he's so. Beaten down at this point, and it's an it's another one of those times where Sam brings him out of it, and and Sam is that uh, encouragement, that encouraging voice that uh, um, tells Frodo what he needs to hear to get back in the fight.
0: Dude, this is this is my huge hot take about this It's so like, I in the moment of watching Lord of the Rings. I really don't get much out of his character, Sam Wives Ganji. Like I just don't. Like it's just I was gonna
2: wait for this, but Sam sucks.
0: Yeah. Um but, but like when you look at it when you look at it from like the, the, the lens that we're looking through tonight, and like when you when you nerd out it and nerd out about it and you look at it in retrospect and everything, like he like that's the guy, that's the guy I want. That's the friend I want in my life, right? Like that's the friend we would all want in our lives. Like he's the, he's the companion that we would all want the ride or die. He's the the voice of reason. He's the, you know, he's the engine that keeps the, 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 the train going. I mean, so many metaphors can be used about this guy. Like that, that it like, and you look at him through a retrospective lens that I, I appreciate him a lot more, but like in the moment of being entertained and watching the film, like.
2: Dude, he, uh, he spends half the movie being just a total dick to Smeagol.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Potatoes. <laughs> I hope that's not your favorite quote, Sam, but uh, it's not mine. Spoiler, but it just, yeah. <laughs> so Sam, what about you? It is a great quote.
1: <laughs> do I have it written down as one of the four on this paper? I do.
0: Oh, you do. Okay. Well, <laughs> called it. Well, uh, actually, four. it.
1: But, you know, one of them that stood out to me while I was watching this movie today is this back and forth between Frodo and Sam.
2: Oh, I know the one you're. Sure.
1: Um, Sam is like, he calls Gollum a stinker. And Frodo's like, hey, why <laughs> do you, call him? you run him down all the time? And Sam says, because it's what he is, Mr. Frodo. There's not left in him but lies the and deceit. The ring is all he wants. It's all he cares about. And it gets down to the point that Sam asks Frodo why he wants to help him. And Frodo says, because I have to believe he can come back. Um... But like deep down, like he has to believe that because
2: he's going through the same thing.
1: He's going through the same thing, and he knows what the ring does to somebody. Yeah, what it's doing to him, and he has to believe that he can redeem this completely tragic, broken creature that was once a hobbit. So he can believe he can come out the other side of the whole journey. You know that's the really deep one. And then I had potatoes written down as well. <laughs> I also had written down the consistency of squirrel droppings by our favorite Mr. Gimli.
0: <laughs> There's a um I love speaking of Gimli, I love the uh I love his uh his storytelling in the extended cut when they're on they're on their way to Deep, and he's talking about the myth of of dwarf women.
1: Oh, and
0: yeah. uh, this is given the rise you know they are they all they often look like dwarf men and, like and paragons that's like, the beards um <laughs> just, just a, a, again he provides these moments of levity that's just it, it um you know like you know in the first film it was it was obviously Mary and Pippin that did that mm-hmm. and and we're gonna about to go into how the movie is dissected here on this in this next uh discussion point but um but Gimli's, uh, you know, just comic relief. I think is just. I think it's. I think it's really underrated. I'll just say that. So, um, some
1: people didn't like the comic relief of Gimli in this movie. Watch I, that? Some people. I saw. I was looking up. You know, different nitpicks for this movie. Mm-hmm. While I was watching it this afternoon, and some people like hated Gimli in this movie.
2: I mean, I can kind of see that because at the time, especially, and like it's changed since then but there weren't a lot of action movies that also had levity. Like, it was a lot of, like, if your action movie has any kind of levity, it makes it cheesy. It needs to just be badass the whole time, 100%. And, like, yeah. since then, Marvel has really changed that. because, And Marvel suffered from the same thing, where, like, uh, the Hulk and the Iron Man and the first Captain America were very serious movies and didn't have very much comedy. And they've since transitioned into like the Spider-Man stuff <laughs> where there's a, a like 20% comedy portion of the entire script. Um, and I think it's mo- mostly they're just that audiences have changed since when this movie came out.
5: Well, well Matt ages brought, really well though. Yeah, it does. It,
0: Matt brought that up though, because like we did that. You know Hollywood did that in the '80s, right? With Lethal Weapon and Die Hard, the 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 one layer. and like and James Bond has continued that from like from its inception, like the the, yeah. the the corn that just kind of goes along with it. So that's that was quote unquote done, right? And so
2: yeah, and the, the early '90s was like if if your movie does that, it's not cool.
0: Yeah. So you needed that that little bit more hardcore and stuff. Like I mean, I find humor in movies like Speed all the time, but like there was no and you know there was no intentional comedy yeah other than you know Keanu Reeves's poor acting you know but still <laughs> still fucking love that movie I'd rewatch that yeah. shit right now <laughs> um but um but my favorite sorry my favorite my favorite quote I I you know I know it's been turned into a meme and stuff like that but I I still get I still get goosebumps every time I see it and when Theoden says and so it begins when how, when it starts uh you know the battle film steep i i fucking love that man i i, I mean, it's so I cool give.
2: you're like all right let me buckle my seatbelt here
0: here
1: we go ready for yeah.
2: ready to get into it
1: oh theoden has like the most like, like a lot of up quotes lines. in this movie and the next movie yeah like, both of them just one-liners and you're like i'm ready to go to war with them yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: The, I mean, the the range of emotion that Theoden brings you throughout this film, and I know, I know three, uh, three of the four of us here are, are parents. Like the 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 scene at the graveside of his son, just I, if you fucking can get through that without tears, man, like I, I, I bravo to you. Like I just can't no. do it. I just can't. It's crazy. Um, but that yeah. The, so it begins is definitely my favorite quote. Um. So this is something we we like to do um, uh, on this on when we kind of go into these cinema breakdowns on the show. Uh, Sam and I have done this for uh, now five times. We like to explore the IMDb uh, plot synopsis, which is usually one or two sentences oh uh, of just making this. Um, I'm gonna save my opinion uh, of this, but I'm gonna go ahead and read it. So here we go. While Frodo and Sam edge closer to Mordor with the help of the shifty Gollum. The divided fellowship makes a stand against Sauron's new ally Saruman and his hordes of Isengard. I'm sure glad I, would, I didn't have to wait, watch four hours of film so that I could. Yeah, get... that,
2: that just sums it up, guys. Skip to the next movie.
0: So let's go, Return of the King, right now. Here we go. Um, Thanks for all the spoilers. Yeah. Right. Uh, I have. I will say this here, here, here's a here's a Sam. I don't know how you feel about this. We've done a few of these. This might this might be like not the worst one that we've done though. I can see that. I'm gonna be honest with you. It's not wrong. Yeah.
1: It might be one of the better ones.
0: Yeah, it's one of the better (laughs) ones. The awful. (laughs) The godfather was pretty bad the fellowship was actually not very good either. Like the first one we did, this was was, was pretty poor. Like it just like, I, I don't, I don't even know if it really described the movie accurately, but this one's pretty, at least this one's accurate. It's just kind of like a bastardization of the whole fucking movie though. Yeah. Um, but, um, but, um, the shifty golem, that's delightful adjective that, that IMDb yeah. just threw in there. So, um, but I I think in discussion of this film, right? Like I think it wanted to follow this too. So this was released in two thousand and two, and I kind of wanted to talk about the the way that Peter Jackson decided to do this film, which was so in in contrast to Fellowship of the Ring, we 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 follow we follow the ring the entire the, um, the almost the entire time. Like there is very little scenes that the the ring itself or frodo itself you know frodo is not in frame right mm-hmm. but when we get to the two towers we are now we're actually there's 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 three stories right so we have uh we follow the uh we follow the ring so we've got sam and frodo we follow um the trio aragorn uh legolas and and gimli who are in pursuit of Marion Pippen and who we also follow so it's like three stories into one so I I kind of wanted to get y'all's take on how uh how you guys felt about this like in retrospect or or even if you guys can look back at that far and how you felt about how the story telling was different than at least the original so um you know Matt I'll, I'll start with you like what what did you uh what were you I mean did you think about it just right now when I brought it up or, or, or have you thought about it uh No, no, I've
3: thought about it before. And it's, it's, I think in the context of, you know, you look at when they're putting these films together and if they were to be true to the literature, the, each of these movies would be nine hours long. So they have to make choices. And I think they did a great job with this movie because they, they transitioned from each of those, um, you know, vignettes really effectively i think they did a great job transitioning from one story to another and the fact that in the end the stories really i mean frodo and sam are on their own so that that's that's the one but but you know as far as um you know the other two stories there's there's some there's some resolution there that is nice to get because the journey's not over at the end of this film, as we know, there's another chapter to the story after this so um, I think they did a great job at keeping this concise while still keeping us engaged in all three of those storylines
0: did okay, I'm gonna get someone one of the, someone else's opinion here, and then I want to ask this question so 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 Sam, what about you like? The way that it was broken, Trip. I want to hear your thoughts on this too, but I want to, I want to ask a question after I, we get Sam's take on it. Like the way it's broken up and how it's different. Now, you saw this first. This is my point. This is why I wanted to come to you on this. So you that's, like you said, no context, nothing. You're thrust into this world. You loved it. So you saw it. So when you went back and watched Fellowship, like was that weird that you weren't bouncing all over the place?
1: I think I might have been a little young to notice, you know, the difference from bouncing all over the place back to, you know, single story, the whole groups together moving along. But it's interesting in this movie because it's so balanced and you almost, if you're not really looking for it, you kind of miss it. Because the transitions between them are really smooth. Like the big battle at Helm's Deep, I mean they cut away to Marion Pippen like six times.
2: Yeah. yeah. And you don't think about it. You,
1: you don't think about it.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, no it's really interesting and I think in the next movie I think the cutaways to Frodo and Sam are more noticeable than they are in this movie um, and that's only really two storylines instead of like the three that we've got in this one mm-hmm. but I think the transitions are really smooth and it, it flows like everything's all happening at the same time and as much as crap I give to like Game, Game of Thrones they did it really well for a long time as well, bouncing around to these different cities and whatnot. And I'm just putting this in people's minds. But it seems like they modeled that behind something like in the two towers where there's different storylines happening at the same time, in different places.
0: So, so Trip, I wanted to get your take on this. But while you're giving me your take, I wanted to pose this question to the panel, too. So. I think this shows the brilliance of the two towers because we're bouncing three, we're, we're faced with three storylines here, but yet this movie seems to have a faster, better pace, more captivating,
2: even, even at almost four hours long
0: at even at yeah, three or four hours long, depending on which version you're watching compared to return of the King, which is only two storylines, you know, the, 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 last of the trilogy. So, yeah. So I mean, it, it, might. my, I I guess you're agreeing with me there, Trip. Like, just yeah, what was your take?
2: I mean, I agree with what what's been said so far. Like, they really do a great job of cutting away the right moment where they they kind of leave you hanging a little bit, but they 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 seal up that scene so it doesn't feel like you're bouncing in the middle of a scene or anything. But uh, it also doesn't feel like you're finishing a scene completely and then moving on to what's going on with Marion Pittman
0: like, I think that it's, yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, that's where we're kind of talking earlier about, you know, Gimli being the comic relief in that story, right. Mary and Pippin are still, you know, for the most part, it's, it's more Pippin versus Mary, who's now the comic relief in that duo. Um, But there's almost, uh, you have those moments of levity in the, in the Gollum, Frodo, Sam story, but there isn't like one person who's like, Like the fight, like I feel sad. I feel bad for Elijah Wood. I don't think he cracks a joke for the entire trilogy, really. Yeah,
2: that's one thing that I thought about uh, watching this one and the Fellowship was that like Elijah Wood's a great actor, Mm -hmm. and they do not give him a whole lot to do for most of these movies. Like he is essentially the main character. Yeah, but he probably has less screen time than almost anybody else in like the main cast
0: in this one yeah and 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 possibly the second one too like the excuse me possibly the the third one the return yeah. of the king so yeah the first one is very like the, i think the first one is very much his story yeah for um sure. For, for sure but yeah it's 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 crazy how blurred that gets from from the first installment to the second it's a really um it's 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 a, it's a really perplexing point which i think is shows like the I think the genius of the story, you know, Tolkien's the one who tells it, right? And then Peter Jackson's adaptation of it. Um. Any, any other thoughts about just how, like, how this story was actually structured um, com- compared to the other two films?
1: It's interesting. In, in the last show we did about Fellowship, that movie has to set up the entire universe that we're, we all love.
2: Right? This, this, this point was one of my, my notes for later.
1: Yeah, and this movie gets to transition into like these three different stories that all have like different themes, which I think is super interesting. Like the theme with Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas shows just like the horrors of war. Yeah, at Helm's Deep. That I mean, we can get into real nerdy Tolkien stuff, but I mean that's his experience of World War One. Is what he's shown, yeah. yeah. Um, and then it goes into Frodo and Sam on this journey to, like, almost maintain hope.
2: Yeah, yeah, which is very introspective in contrast to the the war story kind of theme. Yes.
0: Cool. So what uh, yeah. we 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 tend to do this. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry, did I interrupt?
2: <laughs> I, I was just going to say, yeah the the lack of exposition in this movie makes it. Uh, just gives it a much faster pace because, right. like, half of fellowship is exposition on uh, these are who these people are, these are who
3: the orcs are,
2: and it's
4: uh, yeah,
3: I don't know, it's, it's, it's Deuteronomy, know, like, it's the yeah, like I like begat that guy, begat that guy, <laughs> begat that guy, begat that guy, begat that guy, and yes, yeah, yeah. you gotta yeah, get there's through There's just that. so
2: much of that that you have to get through it in order to understand the story because there are a ridiculous number of characters, yeah, but already knowing who they are makes this a much more. Uh, enjoyable movie, I think,
3: yeah.
0: Well, oh, what's also really great about this is that I think it shows, th- I think it creates the depth of what this universe really is. Because, like, in the first one, all we have for context are you know, um, oh god, the name's escaping me, the Shire, and then where the elves live. Shit. Uh, Fuck. Rivendell. Rivendell, yeah, Rivendell, god, bless. Um, that was a real bad faux pas for me but yeah so that's all you have and and, and Mordor right it, and Mordor's this this far off land and then we get introduced in, in 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 the two towers we get introduced to Rohan we get introduced to Gondor you know and it's like oh shit there's like this <laughs> that it just shows the depth of like how far this journey actually is I, I think this is a more appropriate question probably for the return of the king next year but I, I still want to ask it like Like at this point from when they leave the shire to let's just say the end of this film, how much time has elapsed? That
2: that's one of my nitpicks for later is that there's, there's no way to know like in medieval stories like this and, or sword and shield as Matt put it stories, like there is no concept of time whatsoever. I have no idea how long it's been. It could be
3: decades. And well, now, like the whole story lasts a decade or something, right? Yeah, I think yeah, and I I appreciate the fact that they started this film with the flashback to Gandalf's descent into hell and the battle with the Balrog and uh and you know I appreciate that they started with that because it's I think it was important especially for you know. If you look back when this movie came out, there was no streaming service. There was no – you couldn't binge watch anything back then. So most of the people and, – and most of the people who went to the theater to see The Two Towers, the last time they saw anything was when they saw The Fellowship of the Ring in the theater. Yeah. So they they especially needed that reminder of what happened. Gandalf's dead,
2: Gandalf. guys. <laughs>
3: yeah, Gandalf's dead. <laughs> It's also interesting, too, because we talked about the
1: pacing of the first movie compared to this movie. The first movie, it starts out with all of that introduction, the, the rings of power to the elves, the men, the dwarves. And this one jumps right into Gandalf fighting Balrog immediately, just sets the tone that this is going to yeah. be a lot more is going to happen in this movie. Yeah,
5: faster.
2: yeah that's, that's all the wrap up you get from the first movie is like Gandalf's dead.
0: He fought the Balrog. Let's get into it. <laughs>
3: right i like that about it
0: the um it's interesting that you characterized it as 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 hell um because i mean i mean, obviously there's so many religious undertones you know in, in both tolkien cs lewis those contemporary writers of the day you know like there's a lot of religious undertones to it so be um so i mean matt you brought it up so i'll just dive into it right now i mean like resurrection of Gandalf like do you do we is is that are we comparing that to Christ is that is that the comparison that we're
5: doing
3: or I wouldn't compare it I wouldn't compare it one to one with Christ but the 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 idea of the motif of resurrection itself yeah it's that's that's totally what it's about you know that that and 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 you know Balrog being the a lesser demon you know still extremely powerful but but not he's not Sauron he's a lesser demon and and it, you know the fact that he's when 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 Gandalf is is fighting Balrog on the bridge and the bridge breaks and he says fly you fools he falls he goes downward he into a like pit and he falls into it with his arms outstretched it's it's it's, it's there, there are deliberate moves to put this in a context that mimics the motif of crucifixion and resurrection, Mm -hmm. but no, he's not the Jesus character, right? It's just, this is a, this, this is a, uh, it's just in that same, uh, vein of story to give the reader and the viewer, the, the idea and the sort of the reassurance that life after death is possible and that it's more meaningful when there's a greater good that can come from that resurrection because if you're going to be resurrected and just keep on and i'm sorry i'm going down a deeper rabbit hole no i I
0: opened it up man so yeah if you're
3: gonna if you're gonna go through the the horror and the and the 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 battle only to die, and then have the chance at resurrection, but then, after being resurrected, just go on with your frumpy, dumpy life, and just there's no meaning to it. That's pointless. and the and the fact that that uh, Gandalf was resurrected in a higher form for a higher purpose it's It's meaningful in not just the christian religion it's that that you'll find that across mythological stories going all over the globe for yeah a millennia
0: no absolutely i think the 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 i'm I'm glad i'm glad you kind of said some of that stuff too because i think throughout the trilogy in particular like like sacrifice is 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 the recurring theme like you know and and paying for that sacrifice with your own death as well like we saw you know it happened twice as in fellowship right right like, you know Gandalf falls obviously but also Boromir you know um you know who they you know use the metaphor of Judas but at the same time like you know Judas didn't fight and save and save people after he betrayed after he betrayed Jesus so that metaphor right. doesn't work but um So that's why I said like Boromir is actually another another example of that of that sacrifice for the world.
3: Actually, Um, I just I I apologize I I have to interject here. I just it literally just popped into my head and I remember because I also recently watched all the films and at the end of the at the end of the Return of the King, when Frodo and Sam return to the Shire, Sam said or sorry Frodo says through narration that it had been 13 months to the day since they first left the shire okay so they're walking real fast so So it was only it was just over a year that's crazy that's the difference between the books and the movies yeah
0: Yeah. i think
1: the books is way longer
0: yeah the books is way longer for sure but
4: but yeah Yeah, i mean
0: but I, but that I remember. You're right. I do remember that that they tied it up in a bow, and I remember thinking, "Yeah, that had to have been that long, just because like it just seemed to, it just seemed to go on for you know just forever and stuff." I mean, but you could also have said like, "Oh, this took a couple of weeks, a month," you know, and that wouldn't have been terribly out of yeah. Terribly-
2: that's what I meant is that it's it's not that there's no measure of time; it's that you don't have any concept of it. Like they yeah. don't really give you. Markers in most of these stories, where they're like, "Man, those you know, ten days ago when we fought those orcs was wild."
0: Yeah, they yeah, yeah they they almost never do it. It's like, oh, that's three days ride, with the exception of when they leave the shire to get to the the tavern. Yes. That's it. That's the only. And then, um, when in this movie, when Gandalf says on the fifth day, at first time, you look look to the east, and that's it.
2: Which I was really oh, yeah, I forgot about that one
0: Which I was surprised that it was only five days Like, because it seems like Because the movie's so long again It just seems like it went longer than a week and stuff um, Which bring which will bring me up to a nitpick later on And stuff like that But, um, <laughs> cool All right, before we dive into the uh, The the delightful and this this time it's actually going to be short unfortunately short oscar segment for this particular film uh I do you want to uh, go take a quick break for our our presidential trivia segment uh, which is always brought to you by united cigars featuring la Giana havana distributors of jose dominguez bandolero garofalo and the highly acclaimed adabe byron and now alfonso Lyons from selected tobacco so smoke one today and start living united All right, gentlemen, this is going to be a multiple choice question as posed to all of you here. So um, we've had a lot of nerdy presidents in our in our history, Um, but I was reading some interesting articles that uh, and I did not see this coming and I thought this would be a fun, a fun little trivia question. Barack Obama is considered to be one of the nerdiest presidents that we've ever had in office. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I would have thought Woodrow Wilson was the president of Princeton, but no, apparently Barack Obama is. Uh, but he was given this title after he admitted to enjoying these specific two comic books from the time he was a kid, actually all the way up into adulthood. So these two comic books uh, was the in were the two comic books: a Conan the Barbarian and Spider-Man; b Batman and the Flash. Or C, Superman and the Green Lantern? Hmm. I'll give you the choices again while you think about it. Was it A, Conan the Barbarian and Spider-Man? B, Batman and the Flash? Or C, Superman and the Green Lantern? Green Lantern, the single biggest travesty in film history. history.
1: I went back and watched one of that. Because I thought it couldn't be that bad.
0: It's that. It, bad. It's that. that bad. It's that bad. It's that, bad. bad. it's that shitty. Yeah, I was a Green Lantern fan as a kid. They keep so. saying
2: they're gonna re- They're gonna make a new Green Lantern movie, but At I think do. they're afraid to just because the last one has such a terrible reputation.
3: I still, I still absolutely love in the first Deadpool when Ryan Reynolds says, "Please don't make the super suit animated
4: or green."
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. It was. <laughs> So great. Um, I'm I I'm gonna jump in and I'm gonna say C. Superman and the Green Lantern. Superman and the Green Lantern. And even though the Green Lantern is in there, uh, as, as a comic franchise, the Green Lantern is redeemable. As a film, yeah. it is not. Yeah. I'm I'm going A because
2: I was a fan of those comics when I was a kid.
3: All
4: right, I'm gonna round it out and go B
1: then.
2: Okay.
5: All right, no hedging one. our
0: bets. Uh well, I'm interested, in Sam. Uh, did you just pick it cause, because Trip picked A, or or did you have a, some reasoning behind it? Oh
1: no, I picked it to uh to just be the right one because I have zero idea.
0: So, you picked it because you you enjoyed those comics as a kid. You, you 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 did a little Conan the Barbarian.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I more Spider-Man, but like, I mean, I'm still I have. I don't know. I I haven't counted. I think a box holds about six hundred. So about fifteen hundred comics in my garage. Wow. Jeez. Like that's... A, a lot of comics. I, I I I have read and still read
4: a lot of comics. Were you Were you
0: into comics, Matt?
3: Um, a little bit, not too much. Uh, not not, not fifteen hundred in your garage. Not, no. It no i I had you know maybe forty or fifty um my my biggest favorites were actually Flash Gordon. I absolutely loved Flash Gordon comics uh, I had a lot of spider man and and Superman as well, but Flash Gordon, I was absolutely fascinated by the whole universe the whole flash Gordon universe i I loved everything about it Interesting.
0: Sam, what about you uh comics kind of faded until they started be coming back, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the, in the cinema world. But did you do comics as a kid?
4: Sam.
2: I can't tell if he's frozen or literally frozen. Cause it's so right. old.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think he might be frozen. We'll, we'll wait for him to come back here. So uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and give the answer though. So uh, uh trip it was Conan the Barbarian and Spider-Man. That's, that was, that was who Barack Obama uh, read and uh, followed up and nice. still, you know, from childhood all the way into adulthood and stuff. So the nerdiest president, uh, Conan, the Barbarian and Spider-Man.
5: Nice. So,
0: um, we'll wait for Sam to jump back in here in a little bit, but, uh, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, when it, it, it kind of rates and stuff. So I, I was more of a graphic, I was more of a graphic novel. I loved Watchmen like, oh yeah. And, and I, La- later on, like since, since the
2: nineties, when I was a kid, uh, like in the early two thousands, I got super into graphic novels.
0: Yeah. The, uh, the Watchmen is still, is still one is one of my all time favorites. Absolutely. Um, Sam, are you back? I am back. That was like the
1: most unfortunate timing. Cause I heard your question and I'm sitting here answering it. and Nobody can hear me oh (laughs) it was crashing
0: been there so so yeah so what so yeah did you did you read comics as a kid
1: so i think it's partially comics kind of faded away and i grew up in a very small town where there was no place to buy comics um so no i really didn't get into comics as a kid and then my first experience of like a superhero movie was one that i still consider to be an all-time great which was the dark knight oh yeah yeah. And that started me down the path of superhero movies. Then Marvel came along, but no, my only real experience with you know the comics is is movie based.
0: Here's a question that I didn't really prepare for you guys, but like, what is the best comic comic book adaptation to a film?
4: Oh, Sin City, easy for me. It's. I, City? I was okay. a huge
2: fan of Sin City, like in the late '90s, and I, I still have a bunch of the books. But like that movie, for better or for worse, absolutely
3: nails Sin City. It's really good. It's really good. Um, I'm meant- gonna go with I'm gonna go with 300. So oh, three, another, so, so, so yeah, another
2: no. uh, Frank Miller.
0: Good, one. yeah, because
3: it is, and I didn't. I actually didn't get my hands on a hard copy of the graphic novel until after I saw the movie. Me too. And it's precise. I mean it's scary how precise panel panel. that film is. Yeah. It is panel for like trips it's panel for panel. It's right on the money. That's nuts.
0: See I loved I loved Watchmen. Watchmen was pretty damn precise as well, which was really cool. Um to see that kind of come to life and everything. Is it, uh, I don't want to answer for you, Sam, but you you mentioned the Dark Knight. So I just wanted to, that's why I posed the question.
1: To me, it has to be the Dark Knight. I, d- I think that's, my only context is superhero movies because I haven't read the comics. I mean, I think that is the greatest superhero movie if, at minimum I've ever seen in the last 20 years. Um, I don't think Marvel can do it because Marvel's got this intricate web of movies that go together. I think it's a standalone movie. It's unbelievable. You don't even have to watch the first Batman movie to think that movie is unbelievable.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, from a, from a historical perspective, I'm sorry. I have some real issues with 300, but it is based on. <laughs> it's
3: yeah, based on actually what yeah, I, I agree. And I, I'm also, it's, it's ironic too, because I'm very, I'm a big stickler when it comes to historical accuracy, accuracy in, in movies. I, it drives me batshit crazy when they get things wrong. And but this one I, I I let slide because the film is based on the graphic novel, not based on the history books, which are vastly different than yeah, yeah and yeah. the it's, story in the in the film. It's like it's the movie based on the graphic novel
1: based on Greek propaganda.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly,
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: I I um I love how none of us picked a un uh, a Marvel film. That's that's hilarious. Um,
2: I mean, I love the Marvel movies, but they are not comic accurate.
0: Yeah. I, I
2: mean oh, i i am i did want to give my uh like just a nod to history of violence, also starring Vico Mortensen,
3: oh yes, oh
2: that's right, yeah, fantastic graphic novel that thematically is very similar, like uh three hundred and sin City are visually the comic book uh history of violence isn't but thematically it it really follows the story and is yeah.
4: great.
0: In it's true mediums. um it's interesting, Matt, that you brought up 300 because I was listening to a podcast episode uh, in preparation for tonight's show uh, about um, about the two towers. And it was basically an example of what I wanted not tonight not to be because uh, it was just bad. Uh, but one of them, I mean, they brought up an in They brought up an interesting comparison and I was with it until they just started being wrong, which was just just killed it for me. <laughs> Cause they're like, you know, like I, they're, they're talking about Tolkien and how he brings a lot. And we're going to talk about this more here in a little bit, but I that We'll, we'll bring this theme up here. How he brings in themes from, you know, modern day history, but he also goes back in his storytelling and, and Helm's Deep is, is the story of 300, right? You know, it's the, yeah. the, the 300 and he says, yeah, and that's the even the, and the, this podcast is where it was inaccurate. It's like, yeah, it's even right because it was like 300 versus 10,000. Like, that's the number of that was the number of uh, Persians in, in Xerxes' army. I was like, Jesus Christ, man, that's that's not even fucking close at all.
2: I'm doing my history book titled 300 by Frank Miller.
0: I'm like, that's that's not even close. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. It was just so I I, 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 I turned it off. At that point, I was just like, oh, I'm okay, I'm done, kids. And they, were, I mean, they were, they're a couple of kids and they, they had some really good points. Like I thought it was, I thought it was a very observant of them to bring up that observation,
3: but then when they were completely wrong about it. And so if I can give a quick plug, totally. And this is, it's a YouTube channel that the guy breaks down movies specifically for their historic accuracy. It's called History Buffs. And he goes through movies bit by bit and picks out what is accurate and what is not. And it's a fantastic channel. I highly recommend it on YouTube. It's called History Bus.
2: I'm going to check it out.
3: Um,
0: Jay Davis mentions a series called Sandman, which is a great adaptation oh, yeah. from graphic novels.
2: I never so. read the graphic novels. I listened to the audiobook and I read the novel a long time ago, but I never read the, the graphic novels of that.
0: Awesome. Um, cool, cool. Well, that was our presidential trivia segment sponsored by United Cigars, uh, featuring La Giana Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabay Byron, and now Alfonso lines from Selected Tobacco. Smoke a day and start living united. Uh, So we want to jump back here into Lord of the Rings and um, this was, this was real bummer for me because I was pretty, pretty sad on a couple of fronts and we won't do a We normally do a huge deep dive on the Oscars, but there's not much to do on this one, believe it or not. Uh, It was only nominated only, but it was only nominated for six Oscars. Oh, is that all? Yeah. Um, So (laughs) it was nominated for best sound editing, best visual effects, best picture, Best Art Direction, Set Decoration, Best Film Editing, and Best Sound. Um, It won only two. It only won two Oscars. um, Which you guys know. Best
2: Sound and what was the other one?
0: Best Visual Effects, which totally tracks.
2: I mean, that one is hands down. Like, this movie. I mean, the first Fellowship of the Ring did a lot of, like, brand new and it, it mixed cutting edge with classic film techniques. And this one went to the next level of like, they have at the time, every single visual effects technique that existed, like from matte paintings to stop motion, to miniatures, to CGI, everything is in this movie. Well,
0: and that's something that we talked about. The three of us talked about on the, in the first one, right? Mm-hmm. At the time that was a 20 year old film. Now it's 21 year. This is a 20 year old film. And yeah, if we want to go through and kind of nitpick some of the CGI like we could. Some of
2: the Gollum stuff doesn't like, quite hold up.
0: Yeah, but yeah. Most part for the most part I know we keep going back to the helms deep and there's still more to talk about there, but like it 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 holds up unbelievably.
2: Like the man. only nitpick I found like I have an eye for visual effects where like I pick it apart in my head. The only nitpick I have is the guys climbing the ladders. When they had the orokai climbing ladders it was yeah. like the uh i don't know the the lighting on them just was not right and the animation was weird and it took me out of it a little bit but other than that it's like flawless
3: it's crazy right i mean this but that was 20 years ago right yeah yeah think about think about computing technology today I think know. about the computers you have on your desk think about you know if you have a really Fancy, awesome computer. Think about the computing power that thing has. And then think about 20 years ago, the computing power they had that they were able to do this. And not to mention the fact that this film was pioneering into, like, super high-level motion capture. Now they call it performance capture, but back then they still called it motion capture. Stuff Andy Serkis did as Gollum, and that and the, they, they pioneered and, and really started dialing in the technology of motion capture. I read that this was literally the first performance capture movie. I think Smeg- it might have
2: been. Yeah, I like, think that's right. They, they basically brought Andy Serkis in to be the voice of Smeagol. And he was like, let me just perform it. And they came up with the technology and used, you know, leveraged what they already had to build performance capture for him. So that he could perform it, and like you can see it in the movie, like yeah. when you see Smeagol's face right up in the camera, you see Andy Circus behind
3: the eyes. It's crazy, totally, totally. Yeah. Because then when you see the beginning of Return of the King, and you see Andy Circus as Smeagol. as a, a an actual you know, normal, human. normal, <laughs> well, yeah, you, it looks you're like that's Gollum, that's mm-hmm. Gollum, that's the that's the guy that's gonna turn into Gollum. Well, and, and he made a career out of performance capture oh yeah like, he's still king, the king top, kong yeah
2: the top of the uh the industry of performance capture he is the gold standard
3: absolutely
0: so and this is kind of like the the thing that i compare it to like to, like when you think about again i i mentioned troy earlier but even you know bringing in another you know you know nerd universe right like Star Wars like I know the, the prequels get a lot of shit and we've kind of and that I know the three of us have talked about that too but like
4: mm-hmm.
0: I'm still like a Phantom Menace fan but if you walk if if I go back and watch Phantom Menace now which is 20 years old too which is crazy over 20 years old 23 years old and it's like I mean that like these are like it they're sep. it feels like they're separated by a decade in technology. It's nuts.
3: Equally, yeah. yeah.
2: Well, and even uh, Revenge of the Sith, which came out the year after this, I think, right? Mm-hmm. 2003. Yeah. Like it, the, the, tech, the difference in quality of the visual effects are decades. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I, I completely absolutely. agree with you. I think a big part of it too is they did a lot of practical things, like practical effects, in the a ton. That they did not do in the Star Wars prequels. Like the makeup yeah. and stuff
2: on the rock high. Mm-hmm. They yeah, just do it. I mean imagine this today. Like it would just it would just be like, oh, just all of Helm's Deep is CGI, just the top of those towers. That's the only place you need actors. Yeah. Everything else is CGI. Yeah. It's
0: Put crazy. those together with some some cheap, you know, <laughs> some cheap background boards and and then they're yeah. you're good to go. And that There's reminds some... me, like one of the other practical things they
1: did. Was in like the sound of the rock high when you know, like Saruman walks out, and they he shows Wormtongue in the army for the first time. Right, they're all
4: chanting. Oh, I love that.
1: Oh, they actually they recorded. I I can't remember if it was a soccer stadium or a rugby stadium, doing the chanting. Like that's yeah. real people doing that in a stadium, like at halftime of a game. Yeah, recorded people chanting, which I think is awesome.
3: Yeah, so cool. And I, I know, speaking of the Oscars, um, I understand that, you know, previously the the Oscar was won for the Fellowship of the Ring for Best Original Score by Howard Shore. Well-deserved. The Two Towers should have won as well for Best Original Score. Howard Shore absolutely killed it. For this whole series, he absolutely killed it. Some of the best writing he's ever done. And he did a shitload of great writing for a lot of great movies over the years. But the the range of different, the way he used his talents to literally put different musical motifs to every single character set, every scene, every emotion, every movement was pure genius. And he should have won for every one of these three films. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, if any of us or any people who've seen the movie
1: and like it go back and they listen to like the soundtrack for the movie, they're going to be able to get the what scene it's happening in their head. Absolutely. Clear as day based on the music.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's one of those, you know, we talked a lot about the soundtrack during the Gladiator podcast. Mm -hmm. And like, that's like this like we're talking about movies of the day, like, like I, you guys, someone, someone in the chat later, or one of you guys might throw one out for me, but like, like, and I, it might've just because it was, those were defining movies of, of, of my youth, but like, like since then I can't really name another film that has those, those like instantly recognizable, like iconic scores that you're just like, I mean, this is up there with like the Indiana Jones theme. This I mean, this is this is like up there with the John Williams classics. I was man. gonna
2: say, I would say it's even up there with Star Wars, which to me right. is like yes. every single character has their own song in Star Wars. Correct. Their own melody. And yes. then they weave them together when the, those those two characters are on screen together. Yes. And this movie does the same thing. Yeah. Uh, masterfully.
3: Yeah. And the, the only other series of films I can think that did that. Not as good, but still really well done was what Hans Zimmer did for the Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay. Series.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's another one. Yeah. And, but that's, but again, that, that series is coming up on two decades. Yeah, and too.
3: I mean, it's, I'm not putting them on the same level, but Hans Zimmer did a really good job with those films. Yeah. No,
0: we're talking about scores. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah
3: the Pirates listen, of the Caribbean. If you listen to Gladiator and then Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Man, he drew a lot off of Gladiator to make the credits me. Well, it's, honestly, if you go back in Hans Zimmer, if you go all the way back to even, like, 1990 to Backdraft, he, he's got a style, and you yeah. can hear it in a lot of his films. He's definitely got a style. Oh, no, well, you can... Fuck, you can hear it in The Lion King. Oh, totally,
0: yes. You can, again, yes. I mean, if you really want to... Mm-hmm. I mean, though, again, to the you, point about characters, you
3: know, like... Yeah, but it's also true with John Williams. You know, you can hear... You can hear a little bit of Star Wars in Superman. You can hear a little bit of Superman in Jurassic Park and so on and so forth. So they've all got like a style. And Shore is the same way. You can hear some of the stuff, you know, Howard Shore stuff from even though it's Lord of the Rings and it's this whole new universe, you know, you can hear it's like, oh, there's a little bit of silence of the lambs. And, oh, there's a, there's a little bit of, of I don't know, the aviator or, you know, they you can hear it. You can hear yeah. that style of the composer in there.
0: Yeah, it, I mean, it's, 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 yeah, I saw that this wasn't, they didn't get for score. Um, I, I thought sound was pretty good. There was nominated and everything. Um, we're going to jump right to best picture. So it was nominated. It doesn't win. Uh, it loses best picture award. Um, so here are the other nominees. This is before they had the, 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 the like 10 films requirement or whatever that they do now. So uh, the films nominated that year were, Gangs of New York, The Hours, The Pianist, and Chicago. And Chicago wins.
3: Chicago is the only one of those that I haven't heard of somebody watching in the last fifteen years. I have, but I have family deeply involved in musical theater, so
0: okay, that that yeah. checks out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, I. I need to do. I need to do a rewatch on Chicago. It's been a while. Um, I, I mean, I remember thinking highly of that film, um, and I think it's like I, I mean, the characters are pretty well done and stuff. Like John C. Riley gets a nomination for best supporting actor, uh, but no actors or actresses were nominated for Two Towers.
2: I, right. I feel like I was thinking about that, and I feel like it's hard to differentiate like who's a who's a leading actor and who's a supporting actor in these movies.
4: No, that's a fair in point. In this
2: one in particular, like Fellowship of the Ring, obviously it's uh, Frodo. But yeah. there's no real main character in Two Towers.
3: That's a great point. Everybody's
0: yeah. a
2: supporting character.
0: Yeah. 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 Ian McKellen gets nominated. I can't remember if he got nominated for Fellowship or now or if he got nominated for Return of the King. But he got nominated for one of those. Okay. And...
1: I think it's interesting, too, because you said those other nominees for Best Picture. As somebody who watched these movies later, I was not in theaters in 2002 when these movies came out. I haven't seen any of those other movies. You haven't seen any of them?
3: I, the highly, I highly recommend The Pianist. It is, it is a fantastically heartbreaking World War II drama.
5: Yeah.
3: It, it Adrian, is, it's incredibly good. Yeah, it's, he, it's a he, great film.
0: He won for Best Actor, and he absolutely deserved it. Yeah, yeah. He, it's a great film. Yeah. yeah, it's fantastic.
3: If you like World War II history in any way, shape, or form, you need to see that film. Oh, I will absolutely go back and watch it. But it's like somebody from my generation,
1: everybody's heard of Lord of the Rings. Absolutely. Yeah. Everybody knows that a lot of people are madly in love with it. But if I ask some of my friends... About you know these other movies, Chicago, The Pianist. I bet they haven't even heard of them, unless they I, took yeah. a survey of probably true. Class you've
0: that you've I've never played. you've never seen Gangs of New York, too? Like I haven't. Oh man, that's that's, that's that's a really good film. It's
3: also I, very good. I, I have to say about Gangs of New that's York, something.
2: I have not watched it in a very long time. But in 2019, I believe it was. Yeah, 2019. I was in Nicaragua in a nightclub and they were playing g- Gangs of New York on the TV and I couldn't hear it but the visuals of that movie at least on that TV looked terrible. Oh, like it aged so badly. Like everything looked like a set. It looked like a stage play that had been recorded on a movie camera.
3: There's a there's I don't a documentary remember documentary about it. They camera. that's actually what they were going for. There's a documentary okay. of it. So j- check it out cuz the the set design was actually sort of going for a theater story. in the round kind of look kind of that sort okay. of style th- yeah th-
2: that makes a lot of sense then because i remember like it's sticking out and i've
3: thought of it like that
2: every time where i'm like did that movie really look bad
3: yeah they were they were going for the style that that style of sort of uh um uh dramatic illustration from back okay. in the the late 1800s early well yeah late 1800s uh style that they found in in newspapers back then so that yeah the only weak spot in that movie was Cameron Diaz terrible She's
2: always a weak spot
3: terrible <laughs> but otherwise great film the uh yeah I have to agree like
0: the like everything about Gangs in New York is like really it's like over it's very much over the top like the way that Oh, yeah, that stressed. was the other thing
2: was the acting seemed really over the top. But with no sound, that kind of uh, skews it a little bit.
0: Well, yeah, all the characters are very much larger than life. You know, if you think about Daniel Day-Lewis's character, Bill the Butcher and stuff, like the way he's dressed, the you know, from the top hat and, you know, the, the glass eye and stuff.
3: You know, it's just very. So here's an idea. Next time you watch that film, think of it as a graphic novel and it will change your perspective on that film.
2: Oh, I'm going to have to watch it again. It's been a long time. I don't know yeah. how long it's been. It's been so long.
0: Check it out, Sam. Good stuff. All right. So, any other snubs? I have. I have one, and we. we it was kind oh, of mentioned already. It's so like any other snubs, or that you thought overall. Like directing that-
2: and cinematography. Like, how did it not even get a nomination for cinematography? Exactly. Like the Cinematography mm-hmm. in this movie is incredible.
0: Mm-hmm. The cutting. I mean, they they did editing. It gets it gets a nod for editing, but yeah, the cinematography <laughs> is something else. Like
1: we talked about earlier, they're going between three different storylines. Yeah, yeah,
0: the, the editing Fantastic. is incredible.
3: Yeah,
2: but like the cinematography, to me, is the one like it—it it absolutely stuck out in that scene where Saruman brings uh, Brad Dorf's character, like, slick Oh guess yes. whatever his name they is, like, worm like, Grima Wormtongue. Grima Wormtongue. Yeah. Yes, the—the the moment where he like comes through that door, and you see like that huge, huge landscape and all of those orcs down there it's just like so breathtaking and how did that not like that scene alone get them the cinematography done the
0: i what i love about that scene is like even in its grandness is there's there's a there's a subtlety of it so like he he says the line says but my lord there is no such army and then the doors open and the the air like you you see the the exactly. like you see his greasy ass fucking hair just go into the <laughs> side because just blown away by the sound yeah. Yeah. of this massive art. It's just and then he has it, a single tear.
3: Yeah, <laughs> so good, so good. It's
0: the oh man, it's it's inc- it, it's incredible. Like even in the like these grand scenes that we see in this film, the subtle n- nods and things that it just make it just so incredible. Mm-hmm. I've I. Yeah, I 100 percent agree on the cinematography. Uh anyone else? Because I have I have a big one. Go for it. Makeup. Oh, oh yes. yeah. Well, I yeah. The, yeah. Dude, I had the fucking Oracle, man. Like, those are real people. Did yeah.
1: They just like yeah. say, oh, it's not original because they did it in the last movie. Like, is that your only excuse?
0: Cause I don't know what the excuse you know. is, but that's ridiculous yeah. that it wasn't nominated and stuff. Well, it was like the it was like the year uh um I forgot which Harry Potter it was, but, you know, it was uh, Ray Fines played the the one, the one, the, the name you're not supposed to mention Voldemort. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And that makeup's incredible. Right. So he's it's Harry Potter's nominated and fucking Iron Lady wins because Meryl Streep became fucking Margaret Thatcher. And that was just. Yeah, because
3: that's yeah, comparative. yeah that's because that's, that's a real stretch. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, the
2: Oscars are such like a political thing. Yes, they are. I, I don't give them very much credit. It's exciting when, like, a, a great movie is nominated and wins. But, uh, you know, the, I take everything at the Oscars with a grain of salt because it's,
5: it's yes. all about politics there. Except the
1: next year when Return of the King.
2: Sweet.
5: Well, well
0: yes. that's... <laughs> that's, that's, that's <laughs> yes. That was the, the, ju- the sweet justice and everything. Yeah, yes. we'll get to that next year. Um, <laughs> But it's it's interesting... Uh, I, 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 everyone has this commentary when we do this scene, when we do this segment though, Sam, cause like everyone hates the Oscars. I love them. I'm a fucking I mean, sucker I, for it. It's just so stupid. I, that I love that it I am. too,
2: but just because it wins the Oscars, like they don't base the winners on anything in particular. Like it's just what the judges felt like that day.
0: Yeah. Just with, yeah. what the Academy feels like no. And that's why I actually enjoy looking at like, if you go back, and you just see how things age. And some of them are, some of them are like, it's really interesting. Like, yeah, dude, that, that was the absolute, like Adrian yeah. Brody's performance in The Pianist. Like, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, fuck yeah. He's the best actor. Like, Jesus. Like, and that was. I remember
2: just... at the time being like,
0: that can't be a great movie. Like,
2: how is that, how is that going to be a great movie? I saw the trailer and then watching it being like, okay, I get it. Yeah. yeah. But then sometimes you watch the movie and you're like, really guys yeah those movies that are are all over like peppered around the oscars over the years that are a movie that won best picture that like nobody's talked about
3: in 20 years Mm -hmm. yeah there's a lot of that out there
2: exactly that's what i'm saying it's like there's a lot of movies that just don't age that way like movies that are great but nobody remembers them because yeah they weren't that great like
0: exactly. some of the some of the films in the like late 80s and early nineties that win, like you go back and look at yeah. some of those, it's just it's just bad. Yeah. And like there's so many great films from back then and just like did none of them get anything. Like <laughs> that, that, that like none of them get any nomination or whatever. It's just it's just crazy. But uh anyway, um that is the that covers the uh that covers the Oscars. So uh so wanted to go back into the just the discussion about this the trilogy in general. So um I think we've kind of danced around this a little bit. Um, and, and Matt, I think kind of firmly put cemented his position on it. But where does this where does the two towers rank in the trilogy for you? Because I think this is a very interesting discussion based on a lot of reading and a lot of listening that I did around this film from other people. But I want to see how you guys feel about this. So, uh, Matt, I think you kind of cemented your position. I'll, I'll come back to you in a second. But Sam, let's start with you. So we're, this is the first one you watched. So where does the two towers rank in the trilogy for you?
1: It's such a tough question for me because I love this movie and I love Return of the King. Even though Return of the King has five endings. <laughs>
0: Five endings 14 hours long the extended cuts you know two days <laughs>
1: I know but it's so good um, yeah, it's really tough for me I honestly I think Two Towers may be a better movie but I like Return of the King more um, okay so, so I, I would so, put Two Towers at the top Return of the King in the Russian now all okay. three are like top 15 for me. Absolutely. But I think
2: I'd put two towers at the top.
0: Okay. Chip, what about you?
2: Uh, I'm with Sam. It's like, uh, as I, as, as I said, I think before we went live, this is the empire where like you have, you don't have any exposition about what this world is because you already know all the characters or at least most of them, uh, and then you get the way higher stakes in this movie, which makes it way more exciting. Um, and then, of course, like the the desperation of the ending, which is like, you know that they made it through this, but there's a lot more coming. And to me, that makes it the most exciting movie to watch. Uh, yeah. So it, for me, it goes Return of the King, or sorry, uh, Two Towers, Return of the King Fellowship.
0: Matt, I, I, I assume from what you were saying earlier, the two tower it take the two towers is the top for you,
3: but I, I don't
0: maybe maybe I maybe I misread your comments earlier. So I'll let you no, know. No, you're
3: you're hundred percent right. Um and I I I have to agree with everybody else is just I mean you it's it's difficult to measure because you can't have one without the other. they they all they all go together. It's really and, and Peter Jackson even said this because they filmed them all together. It, you know, it, it was just one big epic. I mean, how long did did it take to film from when they started shooting to when around they around two at, years, two years? Yeah, I mean, that's that's bonkers and it's all together. But just it, taking them as individual films, I have to give the two towers as the best individual film out of the three. Uh, and R- Return of the King, I have to give that number two. And I have to say Fellowship, as great as Fellowship was. Uh, just from a pure individual film standpoint, it's going to get to the number three spot for me as well. Production of these movies was so long that they did reshoots while they were still shooting the other movies.
2: Wow. Like they did reshoots of Fellowship during the production of Two Towers, and then they did reshoots for Return of the King during
3: Two Towers. That's insane. And how many assistant directors did he have? Like 14? 14. Yeah, it's something it's, like so, that.
0: Yeah, something like it's, that. It's at least a dozen. It's
3: absolutely ridiculous.
0: <laughs> well, and then well, if you think about it, like it's it's pretty unimpressive when you sound when I say the one sixteenth. But if you think about it, it's it is one scene among three different things. One sixteenth of the production time was spent on Helm Deep.
2: Yeah. It, it was three or four months.
0: Three or four months, yeah
3: unbelievable
2: wild and, and again now that would take three or four months of 10 dudes in a warehouse doing cgi work on their laptops
3: yeah <laughs> yeah
4: 10 days and it, and it, shots. Pay,
3: it pays off so well because yeah. again that battle scene is the gold standard
0: mm-hmm. it it's the two towers for me as well um i'm 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 the weird person i the return of the king is at the bottom for me um it's the ending, isn't it what's it, it's the endings that it, you're absolutely ending. right man it's the endings that ruin it for me um and it ruin it, it, i say ruin it's like like there's it's still it's still like still one of my favorite films of all time like it just it's up there but like in terms of ranking the trilogy like this this is this film for me is the two towers it, 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 it it's so good it could stand alone it doesn't need the other two at all like if this movie was like yeah. just by itself i could i would still consider it one of my favorites and uh like even with the like the cliff if like again if without context like if it just never if return of the kings never happens even with the cliffhanger ending like i'd be like it oh they made it a great movie yeah they made it i know they did
3: because it's it, sam's speech and you know everything the, the endings in return of the king even in the theatrical release if you go from the time the Eagles picked up Sam and Frodo from the side of Mount Doom and mm-hmm. picked them up and whisked them away, it was 24 minutes before credits rolled. Wow. Yeah. Where were those Eagles when they were
2: leaving the Shire?
3: Thank you. Thank you. But yeah. there was honestly, during, during the six or so endings that were in, in that, that long just diatribe of, of goodbyes, I was halfway rooting for some random orc to just show up and cut off Frodo's head. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but it's like, okay, can we, can we finish saying goodbye? Yeah. So? It's like
0: the guy, it's like the guy in diehard, you know, like that was hanging from the chain and he just comes out and starts shooting. Like, you're just waiting for an orc. guy, just to like the, <laughs> right. They didn't fucking kill them all. One of them's just lingering around here somewhere. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, oh, I yeah. I think with this, you know, three of us put Fellowship at the bottom, but I mean, what Fellowship accomplished in setting the yeah, is, I don't know if it's been done since then. I mean, it's, they set up an entire universe in one movie so thoroughly that we can't go back and question it or pick it apart.
2: I, I, yeah, I, I completely agree. Like uh, I kind of alluded to, it's like Star Wars for me where it's like Empire Jedi Return New Hope. I don't know the New Hope and Return of the Jedi switch spots once in a while, Uh, but it's similar. Where it's like that doesn't mean it's not close. Like it's very close.
3: (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, you know, New Hope goes to the bottom because of a single line. Uncle Owen, I wanted to go get
3: some power converters. Coffee station is it? (laughs) Uh, the whiny Luke Skywalker. So I have this
0: this bit that that uh, my mother uh, sounds like Luke Skywalker because that's like that's how she always saying, "Honey, go take out the trash, <laughs> pick up some power converters on your way back." I don't sound like that. Yes, you do. <laughs>
2: but bear, I want to go to the grocery store and pick up some power converters.
0: <laughs> so, um, I just. Uh, Jump in here to a uh, couple of other things. So, okay. Um, but, okay, so I think we kind of talked, we danced around a little bit talking about, like, where this kind of ranks and stuff, you know, but, like, overall, like, um, like if you think about your top 25 movie lists, and Sam's been pretty clear about this point, like, the, these these movies are all in there for him. Um, you know, obviously Two Tires ranks higher than the rest, as we kind of were just talking about, but, like, for your personal top 25 strip and Matt, like where, like where does the two towers specifically rank? Is it, is it in the top 25 films of all time for you? Is it, is it not like where, where, whereabouts is it?
2: For me, it's, I, I would say somewhere in the top 15. Like I, I have an ever evolving list of top 25 movies. I don't, I don't think I could make like, a top 25 movie list. And the scope of that list alone would be mind boggling to any normal person. Like, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Star Wars, evil dead. It would be all over the place.
0: Um, (laughs) Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's unexpected. That's my
2: number one, man. That's my number one. That's your number number one. Oh, wow. I, I have seen that movie as many times as I've seen Rocky horror picture show, which is a lot. That that's, that's a
0: that's an interesting take, man. That's, Texas that's Chainsaw. That's another
3: movie. That's another movie on my holy shit list. Is holy shit I've never seen Rocky Horror Picture Show. What? I, really? I think I've, I've seen I've talked Texas, about it. I've seen Texas Chainsaw probably five or six times. I think it's a great film, but I've never seen Rocky Horror ever. I I grew up,
2: um, in a odd family. We. <laughs> <laughs> with, with, Didn't when we I was. All. When I was nine, we moved from Virginia to Connecticut. And then for any kind of family functions, all our family was in Virginia. So we would take the eight ish hour trip down. My dad recorded the entire movie of Rocky Horror Picture Show, not the soundtrack, the entire movie on cassette. So we could listen to it in the car. (laughs) (laughs) I have listened to that movie more times than I've seen. Damn it. A lot of times. (laughs) Nice. Uh yeah. Uh it's a good movie, man. You should watch that. If I mean <laughs> if you like musicals. If you don't like musicals,
3: you're not gonna like it. Oh, I love musicals. If you love musicals, you'll love it. I uh, I will it it is definitely on because you know, my holy shit list it is it it's there are movies that I want to see. You know, I just I haven't, you know, taken the plunge to it. Yeah. And and sometimes You have that list of movies that are iconic that you haven't seen, and you're a little worried to finally sit down and watch them because you don't want to be disappointed. That's why you you don't want to be the guy who's everybody's like,
2: Oh man,
0: X movie. And you're like, Yeah, finally watched it.
2: It Garbage, it's total crap. What is wrong with you
0: people? Well, that's why I preface we before we went live, you you know, the other one on that list. Well, one of the other ones on the list for you, Matt, was Casablanca. And I was trying to like, trying to temper the expectations a little bit for you, just because like, I mean, I mean, it's I, 80 years old. Yeah, it's 80 years old, but I fucking love it.
3: It's just—it's almost it's... as old as I am. <laughs>
2: <laughs> almost, uh, but yeah. Anyway, uh, I would say somewhere in the top 15, like somewhere between five and 15, are these three movies in a lump? Because okay. for me, they can't—they can't really be separated. Uh, right, like like one of you guys said, Return of the King kind of would could stand alone. But at the same time, you need that exposition and you need that wrap up. Mm-hmm. But this is this is the meat of the story
0: for me. Matt, what about you? Where did this and I guess the trilogy like in your top 25?
3: Is it in the top 25? It is in the top 25. And I, I agree with Trip that I I I put them on there in a single spot yeah. instead of three separate spots because they it's it's like the Christian Bale Batman films They're a, It's a trilogy. They have to go together and they, they they're so much more meaningful together and um but yeah definitely in the top 25 but like like trip and maybe like a lot of other people i my my taste in movies like my taste in music is all over the road yeah, yeah. i mean it's you know it it's it's weird and, So it's like
0: your number one like the care bears movie or something or
3: like you know no my my no, number one my number one's actually a Shakespeare film because I'm a huge Shakespeare Shakespeare fan and the the 1989 Henry V uh made by Kenneth Branagh that's oh, my shit. favorite movie that's, of all time. Oh that's brilliant. That's a brilliant and, performance. Um but but there's also comedies. I mean Dumb and Dumber's in my top 25. I mean you want to take a leap from Shakespeare to Dumb and Dumber? Yeah, fucking Kenneth that's, Branagh. It, <laughs> it, it, it's 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 a brilliant Dumb and Dumber is a brilliant comedy film and, and so many the, everywhere in between there's, there's, there's horror, uh, Fright Night is on my top 25. Yes. You know, it's so my top 25 is weird. Just like my favorite music is weird. Uh, but yeah, the, the trilogy of the Lord of the Rings, including the two towers is, is definitely, uh, has a spot on my, t- it's probably, it's probably a little bit lower than most. It's probably somewhere between like 12 and, and 20. But it's in there for sure.
0: Sam, quick question: Rocky Horror, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Henry V. Have you seen any of them?
4: If not, if
1: not. <laughs> <laughs> I have not. I mean, I've heard of all of them, and I want to watch all of them. I feel like I have this ever-growing giant list of movies I need to watch. Don't we all? And I keep rewatching Parks and Rec in the office. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I could relate but I mean if I'm putting them all in one category I mean what this was to my childhood and I still absolutely love all these movies it's top five if not one <laughs> I mean I love the Lord of the Rings series as a whole uh, I, I honestly don't know the last time I actually watched the theatrical cut of these movies
2: Yeah, me uh, neither for <laughs> me it was in the theater Like, uh, I don't know if I've rewatched Return of the King at all
4: I mean I've I've watched them all extended
1: multiple
2: for for Fellowship and Two Towers I have the extended I got the extended edition the day it came out on DVD and I have never watched the theatrical release again
3: yeah I actually just did last week so last they have all all of them on Amazon Prime the original theatrical releases and I watched all three of them last week uh, in preparation for this and the and I I I have the Blu-rays of all the extendeds and I love them, but there is something there is something to be said for you know right. when they when they put together the theatrical releases we're like we got to get these down to a reasonable time frame you know for the movie going audiences and and they I think they stand up
0: a reasonable time AKA three hours which was three hours which, yeah. is, which is obnoxious. When you yeah. think about,
1: because you say that, I went and saw the new Black Panther movie today, and it was three hours long.
3: Was it really? Yeah, that's that's actually becoming more common for longer runtimes as well, especially with Marvel films. Marvel films yeah. tend to be high on the runtime.
2: Over two hours is is, I wouldn't say the norm, but it's not as weird as it was when these came out. Yeah.
3: Right.
0: It's actually, pretty, like, if you go look at, like, a lot of movies that are coming out, with the exception of some of these, like, marvels and stuff, I mean, most of them are right at two hours now. Yeah. Which is just, I feel like there's, I feel like there's so much more film that can be made in some cases, which is why I think I really like these. I mean, they're in my top 25 for sure. Um,
1: you know, I'm just reflecting on how I spent my day today. I watched Two Towers Extended today, and I watched Black Panther in theaters <laughs> So I spent like seven hours watching
3: movies today. <laughs> nice.
2: Uh, that that uh, just reminded me of a thing that popped in my head. I read that the Helm's Deep scenes were originally 20 hours of footage. Wow. Like as the, as the, the super rough cut where they were like, all right, this is, this is how the story plays out kind of thing. It was 20 well, hours long
0: well, and then went... they
2: shaved it down to like 40 minutes.
0: Well, you want to talk about something crazy there. There's a version. I haven't seen it anywhere, but apparently there's a version of or there are scenes of Helm's Deep that include Liv Tyler's character. Really? Yeah. Like that. She's there. Wow. And they completely just. Nope. Like she went through the, like, think about this from her perspective. She went through the training, she went through fighting like scenes. And like, those, those aren't easy to shoot. Those aren't easy to learn, especially if you don't have a fight, you know, like a, you know, you know, any kind of martial art or fighting background or whatever. And just now, no, you know what you're, you're going to, you're going to (laughs) walk.
2: You didn't even make the extended edition.
0: You didn't even make the extended edition we're just going to completely cut that, that, that story out. You're going to, you're going to listen, you're going to be, you're going to listen to your dad and you're going to go walk with everybody else to, you know, with a bunch of dead people. So. Uh, into my
1: biggest nitpick territory, but yeah. I'm very glad she was not in Helm's Deep. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so. Um, all right. I have to, since Matt's been talking about this all day, like I want to just digress for just one more second. Uh not not number 1 but just a quick quick dive into your oh shit list what's a movie that you haven't seen that like a bunch of other people talk about all the time
3: silence yeah i was like did shit to my screen freeze
4: <laughs> I, I thought he was gonna say silence of
2: the lambs for a second
3: no i, I love that movie but i i already said mine well yeah. before we yeah dive, i guess so, but,
4: yeah trip that's a uh, i don't know i know there's a movie
2: that i can't think of at the moment that people are constantly like wow i can't believe you haven't seen that
4: But I can't recall what it was. And it was one of those movies that like I should have seen, but I never did. Fuck. I don't know what it
0: was. This one's such a hard question for me. I know I posed it to you guys. I'll tell you why, man. I went through like my my wife did this exercise when we were dating. She went through the AFI top 100. This was like, you know over 10 years ago right you know i've been married to her for 12 years so this is when we were dating she went through the afi top 100 i had seen like 94 of them
2: that that's how i am like i like you mentioned earlier i watch a lot of movies i generally if i'm like i'm working from home i work on a computer and if i'm not in a meeting i probably have a movie playing whether it's 50 years old or just came out last week uh I watch a lot of movies and so I've seen most, most movies, but not everything. I have mine. All right. What is it?
4: It's What's like it? on
1: everybody's on like every major list. It's top top 10, if not like number one,
0: I've never seen Citizen Kane.
3: I don't think that's that weird. I don't think it's that weird either.
0: I didn't think it belonged to his number one in the AF- AFI top 100. I'll tell you that much. I've seen it a few times. It's good. It's, it's a, well, it's, it, artistically it's a well well done film and it's it's very
3: for its for its era it definitely belonged at at one point it belonged on the in the top spot but i don't know if it necessarily does anymore Mm -hmm. i came up with one but i i redeemed it within the last year
2: and watched it which was was the original king kong i had seen it as a kid and i had seen bits and pieces but I had never gone back and actually like watched the movie with a critical eye, and that movie's incredible.
0: Yeah, movie's incredible. Yeah, the, incre- like, yeah, for the it's, 30s,
2: it's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's pretty insane. Yeah, I um, I, this this is a hard question. Like, I just I can't really think of anything. Um. I can think of like 15 movies that are better than Citizen Kane, though. Really? I could probably do that really quick. Chainsaw Mask.
2: That's one of
1: them.
0: <laughs> I don't, I, dude, I don't know. I don't know how Gone with the Wind wasn't fucking above it, uh, to be honest. Like, it's just crazy to me. Yeah. You want to talk about long movies? Yeah, no
5: shit. <laughs> um,
0: God, the Godfather, better than Citizen Kane. Um, the Godfather 2, better than Citizen Kane. Um, <laughs> a lot of lo- I could probably do more than 15, honestly so um but um let's see just wanted to so i wanted to dive into a couple of other things so sorry let me digress there but i wanted to dive in a few other things about this film in particular or the the trilogy as it were i kind of a, a, a more like a frank discussion about how this movie and how tolkien and peter jackson adapts it and tackle some underlying themes in this and one of them was industrialization right you know industrialization specifically for the the uh war right and you know it you know the 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 which is something we haven't touched on at all yet you know the infamous conclusion battle of the in the march of the in at the very end right mm-hmm. Now nature gets its ultimate revenge, which is pretty fucking badass and stuff. But I love that part. Um, but yeah, I mean, just uh, it, it, let's just go with some just like some observations or comments about about that. Like, you know, what what do you think? You know, what what do you think of it as it as it's aged, you know, obviously now 20 years ago and then now we're, you know, 2022, 20, like, you know, the uh, the commentary on industrialization and, and everything like that. So. Let me go last because I have a lot of thoughts about this and about the
3: context in which Tolkien wrote the books. So, well, you guys, can- I'll, I'll just I'll just jump in to say that that the from an industrialization standpoint, it does it makes a lot of sense when you when you know who Tolkien is and who he was and where he came from and the experiences he had, you know, because you if you think about Isengard, for example when Isengard gets decimated by Saruman and and shreds all the trees out of there to build fires to you know grow this army of of Uruk-hai and to to smith all this steel for armor and for weapons for for this this massive army that he's building he basically shreds isengard which was at one point this lush beautiful landscape isengard was a beautiful place Mm -hmm. that was shredded and decimated into this mud pit and fire pits to build a massive army and tolkien saw areas that he remembered as lush, beautiful landscapes suddenly turned into areas that were covered with muddy trenches for trench warfare and and were, were completely turned from lush landscapes to, to mud pits filled with death and destruction and and, and filth and and the, the worst natures of men. And that it totally falls in line with what he experienced.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I, I, I mean, I think it's, you know, metaphor mixed with real life. I mean, it, I, and I yeah. think Jackson brings it, brings it to, you know, stark relief in a, in a beautiful and artistic, beautiful being, you know, not in the sense of what he did, but just the beautiful in the sense cinematically of cinematically beautiful. Yeah, cinematically beautiful, like to, to to bring that to screen, to bring that, you know, the. What war really does to it like there's another observation here we're going to talk about war here in a second a little bit more poignantly because there's just something that I don't think has ever been really talked about. Um, At least I haven't heard it much and it's something that I've just realized it after the last probably I don't know five five years of rewatching this film, but. um, But yeah the industrialization commentary is pretty interesting so trip did you have anything that you wanted to add before Sam.
2: No, uh, Matt summed up all my thoughts pretty well. The only thing that I can add is that I remember the Ents being scary. Like, in my memory, when I saw it in the theater, they were, like, terrifying. And then watching it again was like, am I misremembering? Or was I scared of these guys for no reason? <laughs> That's the only thing I can add.
4: So I think the industrialization aspect of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, I think
1: Peter Jackson missed the mark on how in-depth Tolkien went on it. Uh, I think Two Towers with the Ants is the best example of where he got it right. Um, but, you know, Tolkien's experience in World War I, like Matt said, shaped all of this. So he left a small town in suburban England, that's lush and green, and is basically the Shire. Yeah, and goes and fights in World War One, which is basically Morador. That's what that's what World War One battlefields look like. I mean, it was carnage, nothing green, mud pits. But when he returned, he found that the West had industrialized in order to win the war. Like that tranquil Shire had to be sacrificed in order to win World War One. So they had to manufacture weapons, bullets, the same way Isengard did. And that's kind of the sacrifice that happens in order for them to win the War of the Ring. That they show in the books in the Lord of the Rings, as you know, the West had so I call it the West, because I'm thinking men of the West, but that they had to sacrifice. A lot of this tranquility and one with nature that you see so well with like the elves in the movies in order to win the war like when they return at the end of one of the five endings in return of the king the shire hasn't changed at all everyone still lives in the same place they all have the same jobs it's tranquil the war never touched it in the books that doesn't happen uh when they return it is a totally
0: different place that's a fair but, point it's a really good and, point
1: that's this whole commentary on how the war shaped the whole society around it that is not expanded upon in the movies. Uh, So industrialization is a huge theme in the books and they touch on it really well in this movie, but I think they missed on bringing it back full circle with how it just completely changed the society of the winners. And like London specifically, it was an unbelievable change. The way London grew and became this industrial megapolis. of swallowed all the surrounding areas that were lush and green and were the Shire uh, for when
3: all these soldiers returned home from the war. Yeah, That's man. a great point. You know, I remember, I and I didn't know that because, uh, or I had forgotten about the the, the Shire Also experiencing some of that same change. And I remember a random line in a, in a, in a random TV show that brought me back to thinking about this a few years ago, um, was of all places in the TV show, mad men, they were talking about one of their clients was London fog raincoats. And they had this new employee who was from London. And he said, well, there is no London fog. There is no fog in London. He said it was it was coal dust from the industrial age. <laughs> and that brought honestly, that brought me back to a documentary about Tolkien that I had seen where he talked about the industrial age, and he talked about the changes in England as a result of having to keep up with uh, production for the war. And that that's a great point, Sam, that brought me right back to that. It's like the sacrifice that they had to make in order to win. Yeah.
1: In the time of World War One, and in Lord of the Rings, the best army in the world is Mordor, and the best army in the world is Germany. In the time for World War One, the Germans are the best army in the world. They almost won the war before the U.S. even got involved. And the sacrifices that they had to make on the home front that the soldiers would then return to. They don't show it in the end of Return of the King that I think would have really brought it full circle that everybody had to sacrifice to do this and to win the War of the Ring.
0: Well, yeah, and so I think that kind of morphs into what I was going to say about the commentary about war and how Tolkien uses it and how Jackson adapts it. And this is something that I don't think anyone, I have not heard anyone talk about. And I just started, I just really kind of noticed it You know, like I said, in the last five years and everything, but you talk about World War One, the Lost generation, right? Okay. Tom's deep. Every man and boy willing to arm themselves to go to the armory. We see the boys picking up sword and armor. We have that exchange of Aragon and that boy. We see the old man. The old man is the first one that fires the shot, right? We don't see them after.
5: Yeah, that's
2: a good point.
0: Yeah, uh, that would have been impactful, I think. I think I know, but I, I think it's actually more like on the rewatch. I think it's even more impactful, like realizing they're not there.
3: Yeah, they, they didn't. didn't
0: they didn't. They didn't make it.
3: Yeah.
0: And the other thing is like all those elves who went there. Yeah.
3: Decimated. They out.
2: lived for 800 years and didn't make it.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's. It's, it's, I think it's a really, really perfect like hammer hitting the nail moment. Like when I watched it again, like I said, like five years ago, and I realized I was like, holy shit, the kids didn't fucking make it, man. Yeah. The, 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 like the young ones and the women that were in the cave, like they survived, obviously, right? Like that's, that's the, I yeah.
5: Guess.
1: I remember watching this when I was in I don't know middle school or something. Me and my buddy was like, Man, how cool it would it be to be at Helm's Deep, be one of the kids fighting. Then I looked back a couple years later, I was like, All right. Well that'll be cool at all. No.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so um this is uh I, I'm open to more of these, but two. But the last one that I wanted to tackle actually, and I think this is interesting, and this is this might turn people's so the might get people the wrong way because I know not to politicize it or anything, but like in terms of 2022. But the the idea of sexism and masculinity in this film, or in actually at all three, I think it's a really interesting observation. Again, this is 20 years ago. And like every fucking kid, like every boy and young man, like thought just like Aragon was like the shit, right? Oh yeah. And like and and thought all these guys were like just like badass and stuff like and like elves have very effeminate features right like the way that they're lit the way that the makeup's done they're very they have very effeminate features and like like even aragon's like necklace is a is a fairy like (laughs) right Mm -hmm. and and i mean dude i mean anyone who flew airplanes you know anyone who flew on an airplane you know you know from 2002 till they got rid of the catalog sky mall had those all those Lord of the Rings trinkets, <laughs> including that necklace that you could buy, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, I mean, that was the manliest of men, right? And he's fucking rocking that necklace, dude, and and like, and everybody who everyone wanted it, everyone, it did. It is crazy, right? Like, it's. I I think it's I think it's really cool. I think it's really cool to look back on it. Just think that, that that wasn't weird.
3: Yeah well, and and the you know, the character of Aowen, you know, she she really came into her own in the next movie and returned the king. But she was a badass. Mm-hmm. and she wanted to be a badass. And she didn't want shouldn't that's the wrong way to say it. She didn't want to be a badass. She just wanted to fight alongside her countrymen, yeah. And she was not going to be told no by her father or by anybody else and uh seeing her de- she really developed in the two towers the the character really developed and then she came into her own in the in the return of the king. Mhm.
0: Yeah, I I think yeah like her character specifically like the you know just like what she's like I fear neither death nor pain and how she talks about like we learned a long time ago that you know those who don't have a sword in hand could still die by them. Like
3: mm-hmm. you know it's pretty some
0: pretty powerful language and everything there, which I think is, again, also throw back to, you know, World War One. A lot of, you know, war in general, like innocent lives are lost all the time. Yeah, and, and it, it it throws back to, to, so I know all this stuff because
1: I listened to a couple of podcasts on Tolkien like a month ago. Um, but Tolkien was like one of the, like a world-renowned scholar in early Germanic, like the early Middle Ages, the Germanic tribes. And, like, Awen is a prime example of what the women were like in these tribes. Like, they were warriors, too. Yeah. Because like if you're not a warrior. They fought. Yeah. And it's so interesting the way he, like, he interwove his experiences in... World War I, with his study of these Germanic tribes like the Saxons and people like Charlemagne, into this trilogy. Because, I mean, Rohan, I mean, there's nothing like Rohan in all of history. They're like the Saxon tribe that was completely cavalry, which didn't exist. Um, but it's so interesting the way he interwove the people he studied academically with. His experiences in the war. And one is an absolute prime
4: example
0: of that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Any other like underlying themes or just like things that are a little bit more, you know, more powerful than the literal story being told or anything that you guys had observed or noticed over time.
2: I'll just say that I'm learning a lot here because I don't know a lot of Tolkien's backstory uh or I, I didn't know the connection between
3: industrialization and the themes in the movie. And it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. He is a really fascinating cat. If you, there's a lot of great stuff on YouTube about him. If you get a chance, I'm sure. Just, just I, search I'm going to go down the rabbit hole tomorrow. There's a lot of great stuff. Good stuff. All right. So um, I'm going to break.
0: We're going to break for another segment here real quick before we go into favorite characters. Uh, I'm going to step away for a second, but I want to uh, start um, we'll start going around the room, but we are going to go with our asylum uh, moment of refuge so we'll talk about that so um which is our segment brought to you by Asylum Cigars. Refuge is more than just a physical place. It can be a state of mind. Some of life's greatest reflections can be found in our own personal asylum. Moments like these were made for Asylum Cigars. So light up an asylum and choose your refuge. So, guys, I'm actually going to put a twist on this one in particular. Uh, Normally, this segment is about like a, a cigar that, you know, you've smoked in just the moment, you know, by yourself. And everything um but what's a cigar that you've actually you know watched a film with you know and what was that film what was that cigar that just it was like the perfect pairing so to speak and it was just like this perfect you know moment for you of just you know we all we all love movies here we obviously all enjoy cigars and everything but uh what uh what was that a moment like that for you i'm again i'm going to step away and i'll share mine here in just a second but uh let you think about it uh do does anyone want to go first
2: I got to think on this one. I got to figure out a cigar that I smoked during a movie for sure. No, I think, I think I've got
1: one. I can go first. All right, you go. So I think the, the context is college. I remember it being after, you know, like a long day, just like both just time-wise and just like an emotionally exhausting day. I went out, what I would do in college is sit down and have a cigar out on our under our carport at our college house on some old patio furniture, and I would watch a movie. And this particular time it stood out to me. I don't remember what happened. And I think the cigar in the movie is a big reason why. But I sat down, I had an old Padron 1964 that I'd had for a couple of years. It was a natural, I prefer the Maduro, but it was a natural. and I sat down and I would watch Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, that's, that's one of my all-time favorite movies. But just sitting down, watching it, and just reminiscing on, you know, when I watched this movie as a kid and enjoying the action, it's fast-paced. Um, and it's just it was just all around, a, it's a fun movie. Um, and that's one that really stands out to me as a time where I sat down and watched a movie and smoked a cigar
4: at the same time.
2: All right, I've got one. Uh so coming up with a cigar that I've sm- that I smoked during a movie is hard specifically because uh in a couple months there's going to be a movie a TV somewhere back here. I haven't figured out the layout yet. Uh but I watch a lot of mostly obscure horror movies, but movies with my dad smoking cigars. And one that I I just remembered uh which is a a a very obscure horror movie called Cue the Winged Serpent, directed and written by Larry Cohen, uh, who's a legend of B-movies. Uh, starring David Carradine and Michael Moriarty. It's a crazy movie about a dragon that attacks New York City, and nobody believes this guy who keeps seeing the dragon, because uh, somehow nobody else has seen it flying above the New York skyline. Um, I'm I had it on the tip of my tongue what cigar I was smoking. Oh, Camacho Bear, American Barrel Aged. Rest in peace to that blend. Um, but that was, God, that movie is like incredible in the weirdest way, and that it's uh, like a, not a great movie, but amazing performances and like uh, kind of, I don't know, theater people making a theatery movie that happens to have a guy at the top of. I believe it was the Chrysler building shooting a Tommy gun or something at a dragon flying
3: around. Crazy movie. Nice. But uh, that, that sparked a memory. Well, mine is sort of an amalgamation of a few different movie-going experiences. And um, I don't know if you guys have spent a lot of time going to the drive-in I've never to watch to movies outdoors and um the one of the one of the big benefits to going to the drive-in to uh to watch movies outdoors is you're outdoors and they don't have any regulations about smoking
2: the car next to you doesn't yell at you
3: no i never got never got any flack from anybody about it and there were people you know smoking cigarettes and you know, smoking weed and things like that. So, um, <laughs> you know, damned. and uh, so there have been a number of times that that the family and I have gone to the drive-in, and it's usually um, I don't know what it's like in other areas of the country. In Minnesota, you know, because of the cold, long winters, the drive-in season is very short. So, you know, you've basically got, you know, maybe mid-June through the end of August and that's about it. And you go there and they show they show three movies in one night you pay an entry fee and you get to watch all three movies if you want to stay up that late which we really never that did. That sounds awesome. Um, <laughs> because the kids the kids were kids were always tired and the first movie would always be for the kids. So it was usually like Toy Story or Cars or something like that. And but just that great experience of sitting there with my family with my kids and they love it because it's 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 a different experience getting to sit outside you know and we bring the lawn chairs and we bring a bunch of our own snacks and all that stuff and you just sit there and enjoy the the movies uh and i'm just sitting there with and and i i don't even I mean, I remember one in particular was, was a Las Calaveras. What year it was, I don't remember. But I just remember sitting at the drive-in with my family while we're watching this movie, enjoying the film and each other's company, and laughing and and still being able to sit and enjoy my premium cigar. Uh, it's, it's still one of the things I look forward to every year.
2: I, I've... Never been to or even seen an operating drive-in theater.
3: There are very few left around the around yeah. the country.
2: But watching a movie on a big screen and smoking a cigar sounds fantastic.
3: It is. It really is. So I highly recommend it. I don't know if there are any in Florida. I have no idea. I doubt it. Probably not.
1: Yeah, Bear and I got one that's probably about 20 minutes from each of us.
2: Yeah. We had a, a rundown one in oregon that was like it closed in the 70s or the 80s the screen was still kind of there that's as close as i've got that's crazy
1: we need to what what is yours
0: my mine mine i uh i got to gather with a couple of friends, like this was post-college and I don't know how they figured it out, but we basically got it to, um, this was before like outdoor televisions were like a real big thing thing. And so they, uh, they turned, they turned their backyard into a projector and we watched, uh, we watched the Godfather on a, on a screen in a backyard and I was smoking cigars. It was
3: fucking awesome. It's great. I love it. it
0: It's beautiful.
3: Where does Um, the, where does the Christmas vacation Uh, viewing party with uh with Joe Gro, fit into that. Where
0: where does that rank?
3: It's well,
0: it so basically where that fits is it'll it'll it's a rotation of of always being on the bottom. So every time I have a movie smoking experience, it'll go above that, and it just keeps shifting down. no i'll joke i'll joke it aside i mean i fucking hate the film i it's a it's a miserable experience <laughs> from a watching perspective but hey, it's an enjoyable it's an enjoyable experience because i get to be with you guys
5: <laughs>
0: so and it's for charity so it's for a good cause but yeah That's right. <laughs> uh how'd i know that was going to come up um <laughs> i always know well, we're going to bring up chevy chase somehow right yeah well uh Fake Alan Rubin brought that up in like the first five seconds of the film. So, um, or of the episode tonight when he was, um, he he's like Keanu Reeves or Chevy chase. So I was like, that's not even a question. Um, <laughs> but so, um, but that, I mean, that, that was of course our asylum moment of refuge. Um, refuge is more than just a physical place. It is a state of mind. Some of life's greatest reflections can be found in our own personal asylums, Moments like these were made for asylum cigars. So light up an asylum and choose your refuge. Um, so I think and 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 tell me your own thoughts about this, guys. Like um, with this next question. The next question has to be with our favorite character within the film. And I and I don't know how y'all feel, but I feel like my favorite character changes from film to film. Um, and I don't really have a I don't really have a consistent a consistent favorite through through the three. Um, as I look back reflectively, I don't know, you guys may feel similar, may feel different, but, uh, but, uh, uh, trip, what about you? Like, how do you feel about that?
2: Uh, I couldn't decide. So I put three okay. as mine, uh, because Aragorn, obviously, because he is just so cool. I don't even have more words than that. He's, he's just so cool. <laughs> like how cool is Aragorn? He is um, a dude. <laughs> yeah. He's just such a cool guy. Um, and also, I, I, I respect so much Vigo Mortensen for making like probably a billion dollars off of this franchise and then going, I'm just going to do whatever I want for the rest of my life as far as movies go. <laughs> I'm just going to make whatever I feel like making. And yeah. I don't know if any, guys, any of you guys saw Crimes of the Future, uh, which is his latest movie, but it's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but my actual favorite characters are Gollum and Gimli. Like, Gimli for that, like, he has the comic relief. He's hilarious throughout this movie. Um, and then he chops a dude in the nuts with his axe. Yeah. It's awesome. brilliant.
5: Fucking brilliant.
2: Uh, and, and, and like, the whole Helms deep scene, he's amazing. I love it. Uh, but I think Gollum slash Smeagol for, like, the just the depth of that character and what he goes through and the way he's portrayed is really poignant to me. Uh like he's just incredible. Like, and the way that they shoot that that one scene where Gollum, like Smeagol is finally fighting back against Gollum, and they like cut back and forth between these different angles. Yeah, the cutting's for pretty lighting, brilliant. Yeah. Oh my god, it's amazing. And like you it feels like there's two different characters yelling at each other, even though it's this one guy just talking to himself, and it's amazing. And uh I think he gets it for my my favorite character. It's
1: funny you say that because sixth grade me, first time watching this movie, I thought it was two different people.
0: Oh wow! <laughs> but I mean, that's I mean, how brilliantly that scene
5: yeah, that's shot. how good it is. Yeah,
3: Andy Circus is fucking brilliant, dude. He's a genius. Well, in a in a way, it was two different people. In a way, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Smeagol and uh, and Gollum. In his head.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: and
2: also I. I don't think I ever really picked up on it in my first couple viewings of the movie. But like the way he like kind of goes, Gollum, Gollum, Gollum. And he's yeah. coughing the name Gollum because Gollum is trying to come out. And Smeagol's like, you don't you see it in his expressions and stuff, but they don't make it overt that he's like fighting against the urges to be the bad guy. Like yeah. Smeagol tries so hard to be the good guy in this movie, and it's awesome. Well,
3: and you know the the origin of the word Golem I don't it's got a lot of origins in a lot of different cultures, uh one of them mainly um uh from the Hebrew I mean th- in some cultures it meant monster, uh but the Hebrew I think is really oh, like golem, yes yeah okay that makes sense so so nice in in yeah. the in the Hebrew, it's really precise where it's basically it's it's a it's a term for a lifeless, thoughtless husk of a man, basically. Well, that's pretty poignant. And, <laughs> and it's it's really, I mean, it's another example of Tolkien being so so dialed into language. I, I had never her... thought about that link between golem and golem. Yeah, it's 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 so well thought out by Tolkien, just mm. another example of that. Crazy.
0: I think that's a pretty. I think that's a pretty unusual take that Gollum's one of your favorite characters. I mean, I, I think you described. I love
2: it, him in this movie.
0: Yeah, I think you described it beautifully. I mean, it, I think it gave me a whole fresh new perspective. I don't. I mean, he's still not my favorite, but like, <laughs> I, I he wouldn't have been my. But yeah, but he wouldn't have even been on my list to even mention it. But I, you know, hearing you talk about it, Trip, I, I like you definitely kind of, like, gave me some really fresh perspective on it. Like,
5: it's
1: so interesting too. Because he's barely in the first movie. You get like a glimpse of his yeah. eyes in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you look back and you think of Lord of the Rings. It's like, oh yeah, Gollum's in all three movies. No doubt. But right. no, he's barely in the first one. This yeah. Season, yeah. All of his character development happens in this movie. And it's fantastic. Yeah.
3: yeah.
1: Like you said, that scene is one of the best scenes in the movie. The way they cut it. And that's, that's
2: the one scene. That's well, that's one of the two scenes that I like specifically remember watching in the theater and being like oh my god this movie
3: yeah
1: absolutely it's funny I I won't go next but my wife was like I was talking to my wife about this it's like oh man who's my favorite character in this movie there's so many great ones and she immediately looks at me and goes it's Smeagol Gollum this is the best character in the movie coming from my wife who teaches senior English <laughs> she picked that one huh? now I'm like wow that makes a lot of sense <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, why don't you go next, Sam? It, who who's your who is your favorite?
1: So it's Gimli and Gollum are fantastic in this movie. There's no doubt in my mind. This Gimli shines in this movie like he doesn't shine in the other yeah. Um And Gollum is you see him fighting back and trying to be the good guy, and this, this tragic story of going back to the bad guy here. There, right at the end of the movie
2: at the very yeah. end like if they had cut the movie two seconds earlier he would yes. have still been the good guy
1: he would because he's still fighting it and then once they leave us Gilios his plan goes into full effect on
2: and one of my uh I have a buddy who I was coincidentally talking about uh two towers with earlier this week he said that he just finished the audio book and said that that scene is actually from
3: uh Return of the King hmm. I didn't. Interesting. Oh, that's. I think that's right. It's interesting. That's
4: crazy. It's like I think
1: Boromir dies at the beginning of Two Towers in the books. I don't think he dies at the beginning at the end of Fellowship. But introduction of a character with so much depth right off the bat to me in this movie is Theoden.
4: Yeah.
1: like you said earlier, Barrett, just the range that he gets in this one movie, like. Possibly my favorite scene in all the movies is in the next one where the ride of the Rohirrim at Pelnor Fields. Mm -hmm. I just get goosebumps, get hyped up every time I watch it. But he goes from being completely manipulated and controlled to just anger, to just despair at the death of his son and just leading a country at the end with like, and he wasn't even in the last movie, wasn't even mentioned in the last movie. You didn't know he was, yeah. there was a country of Rohan in the last yeah, movie.
0: Yeah. You didn't know there was Rohan. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, the way they do it, the most iconic line in the movie maybe is so it begins. Oh, so it begins. Uh, he, he may be my number one character in this movie.
2: And the, the part where he rides out, like, Imagine how intimidating it would be that the king is the first guy coming out of the gate at you, yeah, like from the other side, like that he has so much confidence that he's the leader of the whole country. And he's the first guy swinging the sword.
1: Yeah. uh it's, it's like an
0: Alexandrian mm-hmm. thing to do. Yeah. Well, what real leaders are made
3: of man. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Matt, what about you? Well, my favorite is a s- small part. It's not a major character. Uh doesn't have a lot of screen time. But Grima Wormtongue. Oh, my man, God. Brad Dourif. Oh. His, his performance. And, it, and uh, he is just so perfect for the role. He performs it so well where he is just this. And and again, another worse use of fantastic language by by Tolkien, you know, to name him Grima Wormtongue. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's (laughs) he's this he's this slithery little little worm that gets taken over by Saruman and is Saruman's puppet. And you see, you get to see more of it in the extended version later of Return of the King, you know, and, but the way that he is that devil on the shoulder of Theoden when Theoden is still under Saruman's spell. He's so disgustingly evil. Yeah. The
2: the one gripe I have is that he, he should have been slightly less evil for his first couple scenes like yeah so that you were so that you didn't think he was going to be the bad guy
3: yeah or at least yeah, there's some very, doubt like it's just yeah, like it's very obvious with the makeup they did on him and the costuming that it's like this dude is villain pure yeah. through and through and then he,
2: um, he makes the turn almost immediately right but but it, if they had just like had him look like a person
3: yeah for that first scene yeah I, I feel like it would have gone a long way yeah but Brad dorff I mean, as an actor, if you haven't seen Deadwood, he plays the doctor in Deadwood. He's also absolutely phenomenal in that role. He's an incredible actor. He's also Chucky. He's also yeah, Chucky. Chucky. Yeah, Chucky, <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. he's He is brilliantly talented and, as an actor. And
2: Exorcist Three, he crushed it. Yes,
3: yes. Brilliant actor. So I love Grima Worm Tongue. There's just something he draws you in you know and and you you see the scenes play out and you're like I can see totally why people would would be manipulated by this little mm-hmm. shit it's perfect
1: oh his conversation with Awen.
3: oh my god oh yes.
0: god it's so fucking yes. creepy yes. oh jesus man it's oh god <laughs> oh just oh god you dude you want to take a shower after you watch that man it's so yeah. bad it's so good it's so it's so bad but it's so good it's so well performed uh i man i my my one of my favorite things about some of the consistencies that they have throughout the film so like the i mean fellowship of the ring opens up with you know um with um frodo's telling Gandalf you're late, <laughs> and then what happens when he arrives uh uh in in the chambers of Theoden and <laughs> late is the hour <laughs> of this <laughs> Gandalf's just never on time, man. Like, <laughs> except for <laughs> except for except for you know, look to dawn on the fifth day. That was the only time, just when he was needed, precisely then,
1: what he means to. And then it's come full circle. They do it three times because when Aragorn shows up at Helm's Deep late, like after they yeah. thought he was dead. Yeah, Legolas. Legolas first yes, words to him: "You're
0: late. You're late. <laughs> you, look ter- yeah. you look terrible. <laughs> yeah, Plunged to my death. Thank you very much." Uh, yeah, um I, I'm I'm with Sam. My favorite character is Stan. Um I I I just Politics. I oh god. I'm Bernard Hill is just fantastic. He is just fantastic in this role. It, it he is so believable. Um he it, it's this 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 constant battle of of, you know, as as a as a leader of of people, you know, innocent and in army. This isn't a general, right? Where a general's you know commands warriors. Like this is a general and a king. You know, where he has to think about his people and stuff, and the you know the constant battle that he has within himself to you know battle between what what he feels is right for his people and defending his people at the same time. It's just. Like it's incredible. Like and like I said, I mentioned the scene where he's he's burying his son, and oh, fuck, man, dude, it's so well, it's so good. It's just, it's so gut wrenching. Mm -hmm. Um, with the when the he's holding the flower, the poppy or whatever that falls to the ground, and oh man, it's it's awesome. Um, all right, so I know we've talked a lot about it, but I really want to unpack the The climax of this movie, which is which is um Helms, Helms deep. deep, yeah um i I think one of the things like we that I, I think we have to mention too is just like in fact, we talked about how long it took to shot, shoot and everything like that, but and we talked about the line and so it begins, but. I mean, how brilliant was the fact that it was raining and you could hear the rain yes. on the armor and like that one Orakai that's like breathing through his mask and you just see his his breath and you could picture the monster that's underneath that and just like all the individual shots and stuff like as you're setting up, I mean, like you can feel the tension like that, the old man firing the first arrow. Uh, it, I mean, it's from start to finish, like I don't think I've I don't think there is another battle scene that exists in cinematic history that 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 captures everything that Helms Deep is. I mean we've spent the last few hours talking about it consistently here and there throughout this entire discussion. Any any thoughts?
3: Well, Other thoughts? I, I'll just jump in really quick to say that I agree a hundred percent that scene when when those orokai are lined up and the rain starts coming down, you can smell that scene, yeah. Because when you when you see that breath come out, and you think about the Orochai and where they came from, they were born out of mud and shit. I mean, their blood is black, for God's sake. And you can smell, you know, that those creatures just reeked to high heaven. You can and smell from the top of that wall. Yeah, you can. You can. You can smell the scene. You can feel. You can feel the steam and the rain. Uh, during that scene when it's playing out it's it's just it draws you in so much to being in the story with them it's just so well done
4: Um, and then
2: i i think the fact that they the way that they edit the movie that like you see the larger battlefield happening but then you see like gimli aragorn and uh legolas fighting like one-on-one with these guys like adds a lot um like I I, I mentioned earlier that like a lot of movies do this like one of the ones that I think of is The Great Wall which is a terrible movie Um, (laughs) but like it's, it's that same thing where it's like a billion guys just running at each other and smashing into each other but then when you zoom in and you see like what Gimli is going through how he's like chopping this guy and then swinging back behind and hitting that guy and seeing like how claustrophobic it feels is incredible like it adds so much to the ambiance of that scene that at the same time that you're seeing this huge battle happen you're seeing the individual characters fighting against guys that are inches from them like they can't even that you can't get a full swing of your sword because you're going to be hitting your own guys at the same time because your neck you're like shoulder to shoulder with everybody uh, and it's just the way that they film these scenes is incredible oh, oh and and the miniature work with, like, the explosion of that one guy diving into the sewer. Uh, it's that, that one part, that one, like, shot of the explosion of that wall is incredible and, like, sets the scene off. Like, yeah. that's when everything goes crazy. Oh, it's awesome. Love oh, me some no,
0: love, that scene. love me some Theoden, man. But the ultimate knock on wood moment is this: all you can conjure, Saruman. Fuck you, dude. Yeah, that's God that's damn. The
1: like in context, he said that shit so early. Yeah, Sam like, hadn't even gotten to the gate. You got fighting on the wall that you could lose. <laughs> like, not a good time to say that. You died yeah. in your favor, yeah. but it's just the lead up when they like start chanting and banging their pikes on the ground just the intimidation factor is incredible the way they portray it, because they're looking at the old men and boys up on the walls, the elves are just stone faced. And then it, it goes into the caverns and you can see the women and children. And they're just like terrified. Yeah. It ups the stakes of this so much. Like this is, this is a battle. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of battles in movies. I mean, this is a fight against extinction of a country. this is what they're setting up in this movie um and it's just unbelievable the start of it and the way they executed all the way through
5: it's fantastic
0: yeah i um i just the um i think that way that like we we've talked about all 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 night the, the way that it's shot the way that it continues to carry like the story like there's like even like when we break away and we cut away to different things with like Mary and Pippin and stuff like that, like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel interrupted, but at the same time that it doesn't feel elongated. Like, I feel like this, the scene could have gone in longer and I still would have been good with it. Like it, it, but it, 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 it at the same time, it didn't feel like it was cut short either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree completely. Um, my here's 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 my question though the um the when they're when the the first ladder's going up right the, the second the second ladders actually have those clamps that clamp down on the top of the, the walls and stuff like that uh did it bother anyone else that they just weren't pushing those ladders back like they did one i, feel I like, thought about I'm like,
2: that too it's like just just push the ladder over yeah That's- yeah there's
1: some Interesting things in terms of like warfare that happened in Lord of the Rings that are questionable, but the idea that they're sending the one guy up on the ladder like they're flinging this berserker up there, it's just gonna just jump up and just start swinging and clear a path. Yeah. The other guys can get up the ladder, I think, it was a really cool choice they made. Yeah, um, in this one, it looked cool as shit when mm-hmm. they
3: it, right?
1: Um, but also just like strategically that makes sense yeah you gotta get up one guy up there and just bulldoze around and break up ranks so when they're coming up one at a time of ladders they're not just getting the stab wait for the next guy to come up
0: stab or or like gimley he was like knocking him back and he was counting 17 18 <laughs>
5: 19.
1: That yeah it might be a nitpick
0: i've got two i'm on 17. He should have got shot while he was doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um any other any other parts from like I said, like it's just it's such a powerful, it's such a powerful scene. Obviously, we've been talking a lot about it. I think we've covered everything, but any like any other any other things from Helm's Deep that we didn't mention that were worth discussing?
3: Well, I'll throw one in really quick and it, it harkens back to uh what I was mentioning about Henry V and if you look at the real story of that well the uh, it, it was a long time ago so the real story is hard to come by but when you look at the use of the longbowmen so they've got all those they've got all those those archers with the longbows that was actually a strategy used also by Henry V to have great success when when completely outnumbered uh, and it was a very powerful tool in reality. So it does actually, al- although you can never have complete accuracy when it comes to battle scenes. That did lend a little bit of accuracy when it comes to the fact that you can have, you know, a couple hundred guys shooting longbows, shooting arrows uh, into uh, a large force, and and taking out high numbers when those those uh, archers are still protected behind uh, the swordsmen, so yeah. that that actually was relatively accurate and harkened back to real battles from, you know, the Hundred Years' War and things like that. So it that that had some accuracy to it that I very much appreciated.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, with that, I mean, you can always nitpick battle scenes in movies. It's like, there's yeah. not a battle scene in a movie that you can't pick apart. As somebody who is an archer. And bow hunts all the time like the way they do it where they draw back and hold it
2: oh my god that's bar, so difficult
1: that's a, that's not feasible especially now with, a, with, the, with that, a recurve bow yeah oh I and mean, with a compound it's hard and right Taking a bunch of the weight off
2: and but they have a hundred pound longbow
1: yeah you're holding back 100 pounds yeah you're letting that thing go immediately when you get it back exactly I mean, and the other thing is you're starting to fire immediately when they come in range. Because you want to just take out as many as possible before they get there. But one scene I thought was super awesome, which was, that was a digression. But when the ram is coming up to the gate, like they've got almost this testudo formation, which is like a Roman formation with the shields up top and in the front to protect them. And the ram comes up right up the middle, just the disregard for the life of their own soldiers.
5: Yeah, they just yeah. When, the, when
1: the ram comes up the middle, just everybody just starts flying off the sides. Yeah. Which I think is, is perfect
2: for portraying how evil this army is. Yeah, they, they don't care about their own army. They they care about yeah. winning. Yeah. Except they have enough their their force is enough that they don't they're not concerned with numbers.
3: Yeah yeah well, and which is I don't want to go into the next movie, but that's a little bit of a nitpick I have going into the next movie that they talk specifically in in the Two Towers about the fact that the Orokai don't feel fear. They don't feel pain, they don't sleep, they don't they, they they don't none of that. But then there are some scenes in the next movie in Return of the King, where the Orokai and the Orcs do display real fear. Which I'm like, well, I thought they didn't feel fear. Well so which is it? I, I think it's a difference. It's a key difference there. Okay. Between the Urukai that
1: Saruman kind of created, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of versus good. the orcs in Mordor. Okay. I think there's a difference there. Okay. Um, I don't know if I'm completely founded in that, but No, I, I,
2: I, I, I think you're right that the, the, the Oracai are are essentially synthesized.
1: Yeah orcs. Mm-hmm. Whereas the
2: orcs are orcs.
1: You see, okay. in, like, in both cases, really, they get flanked and charged by shot cavalry, which throughout history, that ends a battle. Yeah. It's over if that happens to an army, because like most casualties in ancient warfare and medieval warfare is when one side turns and runs. Yeah. And then it just becomes a bloodbath. <laughs> yeah. And you see that happen in this movie at the very end of Helm's Deep when... Aemir arrives with Gandalf. This iconic scene, and it also happens in the next movie, Pelmer Fields, when Rohan arrives.
2: And, and Gandalf's the first guy in with a staff. He's just slapping orcs with a stick. Yes,
3: like love it.
0: Let's well, not let's not forget the the, the the you know the light the light that he just blinds them all with.
3: Yeah, oh, yeah. love that part.
0: Yeah, that part's super cool. But
2: mm-hmm. the fact that he goes in first weirds me out a little bit. I'm like. <laughs> doesn't should he like hang back a little and let the guys with swords
5: go ahead uh that
0: reminds me his, sta- his staff uh the what if uh i know you were talking about how great of uh, gregor wormtugs performance with the 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 constipated leak look on his face when he's like i told you to take his staff yes i just uh, oh god it it makes me laugh every fucking time i just can't do it i can't Man. handle it
1: the, the you had one job yeah
0: yeah yes <laughs> <laughs> staff like and the best the best part that staff's not like like listen this isn't a fucking harry potter wand like like first of all grima did you not see him walking with it like first of all when he was walking in like 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 i, I don't know that that's that's like he, like i'm jumping on nitpicks but like that's just comical uh to me um but uh, yeah, I wanted to um, kind of jump into, uh, I'm going to skip to the bottom of the page here, and then we'll go back to a couple of these other ones. But uh, favorite scene, um, I, I, it's Helm's for me. Is there any other choice yeah, but Helm's Deep?
3: That's the only choice. It's the, the only, only choice.
0: choice. It's the only choice, right?
3: Yeah.
0: I, I think um, this might be the only, I, I would love to hear someone else give another argument. Like, I just, don't have one, and well, I know, but like, I would just like who, who what else could you argue? Like, I, I like, unless you're just being argumentative, just to be argumentative, you know, like, oh no, it's definitely, you know, it's, I mean, there's some cool other scenes, like the, I forgot what they're called, the uh, the ambush on the way to Helm's Deep with mm-hmm. those dog like, mm-hmm. horse like creatures or whatever. Like, that's a pretty cool right. scene, you know, the 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 the, the ints, yeah, the ints, you know, I mean, super cool. Super I awesome. guess,
1: like if you really wanted to make an argument, which I wouldn't, I think it's helped to is the scene we talked about with Gollum and Smeagol.
2: Actually, I was thinking that, uh, that. That's like the only scene I could argue about, but it's still not really a choice. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. Um, all right, so wanted to uh, go back to a couple things. So we haven't mentioned two other performances here, and it's, it's interesting because Jay Davis is in the chat, and he said that these are his two favorite characters, uh, which is Faramir, and and uh and well we've mentioned Saruman, but um Christopher Lee playing Saruman. I I think Christopher Lee's good in this film. I, I think he's absolutely better in fellowship. Yes, um, I don't think
2: he's in this movie enough.
0: Like, yeah, I don't I, I completely in agree. Several
2: scenes, all of the scenes he's in, I think Brad Dorf steals the show from him. Yes,
3: one hundred percent.
0: Except for the little sleight of hand too, like when he's like, what is this magic that you're making? He's, it's the gunpowder that he's putting in the shit. And he's got the candle. And yeah. he's like, and he just kind of brushes him to the side. Um, like that that part's pretty good. <laughs> that part's awesome. That's pretty good. Uh, but um Faramir, I I man, Faramir's character in the books is so awesome and I, I i i definitely i think they do justice later in the second film in the excuse me the third film rather with him uh but i think he gets i think he man i think he get again the same thing i don't think he's in this film enough and i, I, I was,
1: yeah i think he gets a lot more justice in the extended cut of this film than he does the regular version
2: it, yeah it, even in the extended version uh like he's 90% of the time he's the bad guy in this movie yeah,
4: and then
1: you kind of feel for him when, like, his dad's just like shitting on him to his face. Yeah. What a piece yeah. of shit! That's man,
3: it's the the conflict, the conflict that he feels, you know, with his father and knowing that that Boromir was more loved by his father. It's just, it's heartbreaking. Uh, but you can always, even when Faramir is the bad guy, you can always see this air of of compassion in his eyes that he doesn't want to be taking uh these these uh hobbits prisoner you know he you can always see an air of compassion in his eyes
0: well yeah well he calls off the attack when they're beating the shit out of Gollum. he's like okay that's yeah. enough like and uh you know he could have ended Gollum's life down there you know he but he brings in frodo to say hey they're waiting for my order what do you want me to
3: do yeah. you know yeah
1: that i think the contrast between him and his brother first yeah his brother is almost like it's not fits of rage just not the right word but like fits of just complete just need to have the ring like Faramir never really has that you always see no. the good where Boromir for moments there just the good disappears yeah, yeah. it's complete
0: well I, I think that's to... intentional right because Faramir was the correct choice and his father sent Boromir yes
4: mm-hmm. yeah
0: right um yeah, I can't wait to talk more about this and his piece of shit father in Return of the King next year. Because <laughs> yeah, fuck, fuck that guy. Yes, uh, I mean, <laughs> shit. Yes. I mean, um, unbelievable. The um, just a, So we 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 did this uh, trip. Uh, Sam and I did this on 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 fellowship, but I thought it'd be interesting to get you in the mix on, and 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 kind of replay this a little bit. Uh, on the on the cat on the recasting man i i know i sent you the the outline so you saw some of these and everything but um like would any of these like make sense or would like first of all like just without looking at the list of you know, the actors and actresses listed in front of you and everything is is there anyone in uh, in this cast that's miscast that like man that was a miss. like they 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 shouldn't be it Like it could it could have totally been better with one or two other people.
2: The only ones I can pick at, to Sam's point earlier, is Liv Tyler. Like she's, I don't think she's terrible, but I think that there were probably better choices out there. I mean,
1: it's the same movie without her.
2: Yeah, like Liv Tyler to me. There was some show she was on or some movie she did within the last. Five years or so that was like redeeming to me but I think she's a bad actress I just don't think you need the character at all that's a fair point actually
0: yeah. <laughs> so, not in this one not in this film no right yeah you know. all of them
2: just don't need the
1: character so you you cut the character totally you get to do one of the endings in return of the King it's, it's only me. four endings
2: now <laughs> man yeah. I I feel like um, last year during our show I kind of admitted to being a little hard on sam and sean astin's performances him and then like rewatching it and being like you know what it's not as bad as i thought and then i watched this movie and i was like oh yeah i remember why i hated that guy uh like sam just sucks in this movie and (laughs) i don't know whether recasting him would be better but i kind of feel like it might yeah
4: sean
0: astin did such a good job with this role he, in general he's but really
2: like, good at the parts where he's like talking up Frodo like he's yeah.
0: fantastic
2: in those moments but then like when he's shitting all over uh, Smeagol and just just whining about stuff like he drives me crazy
3: well if they had to go back and I mean there's recasting back in 2002 or recasting today but if you were going to Cast somebody else in the role that Liv Tyler played, and I agree that the the character in and of itself is unnecessary. But if you were going to recast it, Kate Beckinsale, oh, that's a good one, would have been perfect. Because I'll be I'll be honest, when you have stories yeah. of this nature in this genre, I tend to get pulled out of it when you have. American actors doing poorly executed English accents. Mm -hmm. I get pulled out of it. I can't stand it. It drives me (laughs) fucking crazy. Kate Beckinsale has that she's native born. She's got the she's and she's got the acting chops. So I think she would have been far better in the role. But I agree that the role is unnecessary in its entirety. It's pretty it's.
0: I, I I used to not think it was so bad. And then like when you rewatch it a bunch, is, as we all have and stuff, it's just like it becomes And particularly in this one, I, I feel like
5: her,
0: her character serves a purpose among, you know, like Sam said, we could just cut out that purpose and save ourselves an ending in the next movie. But um, but, yeah, like in this one, it's just particular. I don't know. It's like particularly bad. Here's a really cool catch. I just wanted to bring this back to. Um, so you went when Aragon falls and he's floating down the river and he washes up on shore. Did anyone else catch this in the extended cut? That's the fucking horse he let go? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's friggin' he, awesome. He, I I, he I, 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 drop I
2: that horse.
0: Oh, you are you really? Oh man, that's awesome. Yeah,
2: so after the like he fell in love with this horse, and at the end of the movie, he was like, Can I just buy that horse and they sold it to him and he owns that horse yeah
5: crazy. that's cool well, there
2: I'm was whiz- a nitpick there though because <laughs> you
1: know they're supposed to like release that horse at Everest, right yeah so they released it with like a bridle and reins yeah in Its face <laughs>
5: yeah.
1: and then it finds him or yeah Aragorn just have an extra bridle when up on him when he falls in the river. Yeah,
3: but <laughs> well, I I will throw in I'll throw in one other actor that, I mean, it's hard all these years later. It's hard to imagine anybody else in any of these roles, mm-hmm. but in if if there was a you know magic time machine to go back and put somebody else in the role of Gandalf, and I love Ian McKellen. I think he's phenomenal and I think he was so great in this role. But one person that honestly, I always thought, man, what, how different would this movie have been? Not better necessarily, but if Gandalf was played by Alan Rickman,
2: he would have been a good Gandalf.
4: Oh, I
3: mean, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know who, how the audition process went, how the, the, the role selection went, you know, uh, uh, but I just, I wonder, and maybe not even Gandalf, but he's so talented.
2: He, he would was, so, was so,
3: ta- he was so talented. Yeah. Sassy Gandalf. That's so, so well put. Damn. And I, I don't know. I just, I, because Gandalf has a wit to him Mm-hmm. And and he has a playfulness to him, and I think Rickman could have put a spin on that, that that would have really made it interesting.
0: You never really see him as a good guy, you know, and so that would have been that would have been really unique. And I I think that would have been a really fun watch. This seems like a 2022 answer, but, I you know, part of me always wanted to see Morgan Freeman as Gandalf.
3: Oh, wow. (laughs) That's that would have been very interesting. What about you flip flop the roles of Christopher Lee and Ian McKellen? We've
0: yeah, we've talked I've about that. About talked that the, uh, oh. i thought about that
1: before.
0: Oh, It's hard, right? Because you, we've we've seen it so many Lee times. Plays but such a good bad guy, though. Yeah, Christopher Lee's fucking. Oh god, he was so good. He was such an amazing actor. You know, he was the only one who actually met Tolkien. Yeah, apparently yeah. they were like buds. Like
2: yeah, he was homies. Yeah, like Tolkien, the- which is crazy. Also, if you ever look up Christopher
0: Lee's life, the guy was fucking James Bond. Yeah. This, this life yeah. is crazy.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
0: really, really super interesting, Cat, man. Really. Um, okay, so here are, some of the, here are some of the recasts or some of the actual considerations. These are actual considerations. I'm uh, waiting for the one, man. Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal and Dominic Monaghan, who en- ended up being Mary for Frodo. I could see
3: either of them. Hard like, pass yeah. on Jake Gyllenhaal. I will.
2: Um, <laughs> yeah, I I would rather have
3: Elijah Wood, but I could see either either way. I, I think I think Gyllenhaal be. is very talented, but not in this role. No. Yeah, it's kind of actually. It's... Now
2: that you mention it, the uh, the British
3: accent on Gyllenhaal would not work. Yeah. No way. No chance. All right. Elijah Wood <laughs> did a passable job of the English accent. He did a passable yeah. job.
0: So we mentioned some. Ga- we mentioned some Gandalf ones. Uh, Christopher Lee Morgan Freeman or Alan Rickman but Sam Neill Sean Connery and Patrick Stewart were all considered for Gandalf
2: I can't see any of them
0: no I maybe can't. Patrick Stewart but like
3: maybe Patrick Sam Neill Wood. Sam Neill no oh my god that would be a disaster Sam not Neill
0: Sam Neill played Merlin in a tv film Oh, uh and uh, it was it was not good. Uh, he, he wasn't good. <laughs> um, but. Uh, Connery
1: would be awful as Gandalf. Oh, so bad. Yeah, so I could see Connery
2: playing a great dwarf.
0: Sean Connery yes. as yeah. Sean Connery as Theoden.
3: Or as Gimli. What about Gimli? Or oh, as Gimli. Oh, Gimli, that would have been he, interesting. He could have played a killer. As Gimli, Gimli. yeah. Yeah. All
0: right, this this was going to really piss some people off because I don't think there, I don't think anyone like in the last 25 years of cinema. I don't think there's any person, actor or actress that was born to play a role like Viggo Mortensen was born to play Aragon. Seriously. And like, like, like I said before, like he. He
2: knew he was born to play this role, like that's why he took it, like. Vigo Mortensen is not and has not ever been the kind of guy to just do a movie for the money like Mm -hmm. he did this movie because he knew he was good for the role and then he fucked off into whatever movie he felt like doing for the next 20 years
0: yeah and um, so so here are the other considerations
2: (laughs) I feel sad knowing what you're going to say right now
0: Daniel (laughs) Daniel Day-Lewis which wouldn't have been terrible wouldn't have been terrible um, it would have been all right. Russell Crowe. No. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> Here, here's no. Here's the one that here's the one that here's the one that trips waiting for me to say. <laughs> yes. Nicholas, Nicolas Cage. Oh, God.
2: <laughs> he would have ruined the series like this movie would have crashed and burned at the.
0: Oh, God, the it would have sucked so bad. What so... a nightmare. Oh, one my a nightmare. God. Oh, God. we got a preview of it in The Witcher or whatever that fucking movie was, right? Where? Yeah, his witch yeah. movie. I.
2: I saw yeah. him in an airport while he was filming that movie.
0: Yeah, but he was. I bet it was terrible in the airport. He too. had long
2: gray hair and a pink blazer.
0: What? Oh, go, oh, that wasn't after Con Air. I guess this was later, right? Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, this was
0: like twenty sixteen
2: ish. Oh god.
0: Um. So you know who auditioned for the role was never considered, yes. but he auditioned oh, for the role. God, Vin Diesel. He what? Vin Diesel like, auditioned for the role of Aragon.
2: Imagine
1: come if he was there. Imagine how bad that audition. would be. They shouldn't even let him audition.
2: <laughs> yeah. But this
4: well, this well, wasn't
2: this was like when when did Fast and Furious come out? Like 2003ish? Like it came out after this.
0: Right? No, it was about the same time.
3: Well, still like Vin Diesel is only fit to play an Orcai. So, yes. Yeah. Yes, he could have played it in Orcai. Yeah. yeah. I am Groot. There it is.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Vin Diesel as
1: uh, I think his name's Lertz, the guy who shot Boromir. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, See, that's
0: yeah. about it. So, uh, Man, what an awful actor! So, Orlando Bloom uh passed on Farramir for Legolas. <laughs> Ethan Hawke also auditioned, uh, and was considered, and he passed. He was actually offered, uh, Faramir, and he passed.
3: I could see him as Faramir. I could see that.
0: Um, Another offer and he passed, and, and Sean Bean got the role. Uh, Liam Neeson is Boromir. I know this is Fellowship, but this is going back. Liam Neeson was uh, passed on, on being Boromir, which I couldn't, which is very appropriate because Liam Neeson and Sean Bean fucking die in everything.
2: Yeah. So,
0: I mean, it was like it's, it had to be those two guys, right? Like,
2: I can't imagine anybody is Boromir except Sean Bean. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, like trying to picture it in my head doesn't work.
1: Yeah, just Imagine so, Liam Neeson with that hair, man. It just
0: doesn't work. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They put a wig on him and it would have been so fucking bad. Um. This is this I, I mean, this with all respect, she's a she's a fantastic actress, um, I love her in the King's speech. Uh, I think she's actually very beautiful in the King's speech, but I don't think of her as beautiful. And I think for the, you know, even though we just said the role is really kind of doesn't really matter, uh, Helen, Helen Bonham Carter was considered for Arwen.
2: Yeah, I, I love Helen Bonham Carter. She does not have any elven features.
3: Yeah, yeah, I don't, I mean, she, I think she's great, but I don't think that would have been right for her.
0: Oh,
1: uh, yeah. I like the Kate Beckinsale.
0: More Uma and, Thurman passed on it. They offered Uma to it. Uma Thurman, I think, would have been incredible. Oh, really? Ooh. I think there would have been too much confusion between her and Kate Blanchett's characters.
2: That's a, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Jay Davis says, What about Jude Law for Elton? See, Jude Law has elven features.
3: Oh, that's yeah. that's a very good point. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Jude Law is like a Legolas or yeah, or something yeah. As, as any elf, like yeah. he,
2: he would have worked really well as any elf.
3: Well, and um, Anthony Hopkins as Bilbo. <laughs> Picture that, <laughs> Anthony Hopkins as Bilbo. That would oh man, wow.
0: I I like that take. That's not bad. That's that's not a bad one. Um, this one cracked me up. Uh, but it makes sense when you think again. Talk about Elvin features, David Bowie, uh,
3: as Elrod. Yes, oh,
5: easily. easily. Uh, yeah.
0: yeah. Yes.
3: Love me some Hugo weaving, but Hugo yeah, weaving was great. But yeah bowie would have been that would have been pretty sweet i feel like
1: the guy who's playing elrond now on wings of power got. he's got a little bowie
2: in him
3: yeah 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 yeah, for sure yeah i've
0: seen the seen some of uh some of it um all right so this is uh, this segment i've been looking forward to because i know i know how critical uh critical and how we uh we all look at movies differently and stuff uh, and we've talked a couple of we've kind of sprinkled them throughout the episode. biggest nitpicks i i'm I'm gonna I wanna let you guys go first so uh Matt i'm I'm interested to hear
3: some of yours. Well, it, nine times out of ten, if it's a movie, if it's a period piece set in a particular genre, my nitpicks are gonna be if people don't get the accents right. Um, and Sean Aston just he <laughs> falls out of his accent so many times throughout all three movies Potatoes! Uh, it's just mind boggling how many times he falls out of his accent um he's got great range and he he's got as far as emotion and things like that i think he does it really well but you've got to get the words right and you've got to get the feel right of that that you are believable in The realm that you're supposed to be from, and I think he misses it too many times. Um, The only other is, again, this was groundbreaking in a lot of different uh, CGI, uh, uh, you know, realms. But there were some when you look back at it now, there were some CGI things that, you know, were maybe rushed or didn't get as much attention as as some other things uh that when you look at it now it looks a little dicey but honestly other than that it's really really well done across the board
4: sam you know there's there's nitpicks
1: in terms of the movie itself as a standalone if you don't take the books in account and then there's also nitpicks if you take the books in account so not taking the books, the final charge at Helm's Deep when they're going down the hill. That hill is so that deep. hill is so
5: fucking steep, bro.
1: <laughs> they all Look,
0: would have just I,
3: fell and died, those dude. I, have... Dude, but they're the <laughs> horse lords, man. All those horses would have had broken legs, and every dude would have fallen on his sword and died. Yeah, I
2: was wondering I, if anybody was going to mention that because I thought about that watching it.
3: Too. Yeah, it's so bad. And then
1: I mean, the saving grace in that is. They're charging into a wall of pikes. Like the Urukai are prepared for this. They've got pikes. Yeah. They at least Gandalf races. has a piece of wood, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but rein- the rein- rein-
0: reinforced with magic, though. Here, <laughs> yeah.
1: The saving grace is the sun like blinds him at the last second. Makes him
3: like
0: yeah,
1: makes up at mm-hmm. the last second. But the biggest one that bothers me that I think was a miss, and I see why they did it. i was playing it, with this difference between books and movies. There were not elves at Helm's Deep. Really? That's true. They weren't, they weren't there. I think it takes away from the victory that stood alone with Rohan. Because those elves never showed up. They weren't there. The only elf there was Legolas. They won that on their own. Now, I think they did it because the War of the Ring in the books, the elves are off fighting other places. Like they're not just sitting around in their hands doing nothing. They're fighting in other places, and I think it was a good way to illustrate the fact that they were fighting in other places, but it also took away from Rohan winning this on their own. And that's like you can go both ways and see yeah. why they did it to show that, like, so were that, fighting they weren't just sitting back being like, all right, reality, yeah,
2: to, we'll to keep him. from having like a, a fourth storyline there, yeah, the yeah. audience is less invested in, yeah
1: yeah that's it's you see why they did it but i mean my main nitpick in the film there's a couple cgi scenes where the guys are like charging down like the bridge down under the field out of helms deep the guys are just like swinging their swords like nobody's there (laughs) yeah yeah but no, I mean, it's such a fantastic movie that I don't even care. I overlook it and it's it's awesome.
0: Just to go back to this deep cliff dive of all the horses. Like I, I made this crack about the horse lords. Uh they uh I was listening to a podcast about it. They're like, I know they're the horse lords, but like one of those dudes isn't gonna fall. Like there's not one. Right. I mean the your just, angle is nobody?
2: crazy when you see it. It's, it's like, like this, man, yeah, it's, it's like a the 70 angle. degree angle, like almost yeah. straight down. Yeah, And they're just running down it. It doesn't make sense.
4: And I think they,
3: they perfect it in the next movie. Yeah.
1: Because when Rohan arrives, the next movie, that is like the most badass scene ever. But I,
2: I, I'm done. Those are my nitpicks.
0: <laughs> Trip, you got any?
2: Yeah. So as Matt said, and uh, Sam said a little bit, the the CGI, like a lot of it is still incredible. Like, obviously, it was cutting edge at the time. Uh, And a lot of it really holds up. But there's, like, 10 or 12, 10, 15% that does not hold up. That, like, there's... I can't remember exactly what the scene is. I think it's when Sam and Frodo are arguing about whether they should trust uh, Smeagol. And he's, like, playing in the water or something. Mm -hmm. And, like, the comp... the. uh, compositing in that scene like he's just so separated from the background that it's like confusing to the eye and there's yeah. a couple like CGI scenes like that that are just like they don't hold up in 4K which makes me wonder if this could use like the the George Lucas special edition treatment a little bit like where they just where they just go into some of those scenes and make them look modern and then put the film back out
3: well, as long as they don't change the whole meaning of the story like Lucas did with his remake. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's why
2: I say... Uh, I'm trying to... Rem- like, The way that George Lucas did it was insane, which is like he, he touched it up and then he touched it up again and then he completely shot new scenes and then he touched it up a couple more times. And it's like, I think it just needs the first pass at that where it's like just kind of fixing like um, specifically to star Wars, the snow speeder scene, like the edges of the cockpits in that scene used to be like, I mean, if you're looking at it, it was like half an inch around, like to scale of, of what they were in, like the cockpits of the snow speeders was just a black line because they didn't have the technology to make it look that good. And then in the nineties, like before they did the special editions but when it was out on vhs they touched that up so that it looked a little better they need to yeah. do that where it's like just minor touch-ups don't shoot a bunch of new shit and put a <laughs> bunch of new aliens in there we don't need that we just need you to fix some cgi bugs uh, well that weren't possible at the time
3: in my opinion the worst cgi in all of the lord of the rings trilogy was actually in the third movie when legolas climbs up on that elephant
5: Mm. Oh yeah, oh, that, slide, slides, slides,
0: slides down the trunk. Get that out there, is so it,
3: bad. It's like the so physics bad. don't make sense. The physics it, don't make again, sense. Again, like
2: well, just the review f- that one shot of him going off that thing. And well, but what bad. about
0: when he hops on the horse? Like during the that, I talked about the scene, too. the yeah. scene when he, he's getting the the attack dog horses or whatever. I can't remember. They have a name. I can't remember what they're called. Yeah, and and he like he's firing off the arrows, and then here comes Rohan, and then he like does this weird twisted like double
2: ports up the side of the horse. Just,
0: uh, yeah, but he, but not before he grabs onto whatever the fuck he grabs onto the front of the horse. I don't know what he grabs on, but he does this weird kind of backwards spin, triple axle fucking
1: thing. But yeah, he like, yeah. one way and goes. The yeah, other way. he goes one way and then he yeah. ends
0: up on the other
2: side. I, I don't know. It's crazy. So it, it's stuff we probably, I, I, I mean, it's been there the whole time, but nobody thought about it when we were watching it on a 50 foot screen in four eighty P. Yeah, but now that we can watch it at home in 4K, like you, it it really stands out. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot yeah. of scenes in the movie that do that. I mean, maybe not a lot, but there's a few scenes in the movie that definitely like, oh man, just kind of bug you. Uh, but other than that, it's Sam. Sam sucks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, like him. Yeah the uh, the uh, other part for me is. I I mean I have a couple and we've kind of talked about a few of them, but uh, my my favorite is uh, um, we open this we open the show up with it tonight is the scene where he's like right out to meet them, okay? They've they've backed the fuck up into this thing. They've like where the fuck did the horses come from? The for, the horses are just chilling out in the throne room, like that. Yeah. like private table in the back. Yeah. <laughs> <Private> <laughs> I don't get it. I was like, "Where the fuck are the where did the horses come from?" Uh, it was just crazy. That that part that part was a little confusing to me. I didn't get it. Um, um, <laughs> um I can't think of anything other uh, any other ones. Like, I just I love this film. I think it's just I think it's just incredible. I, I think mean, it, for being twenty years old, it really holds up.
2: Yeah. Yes. As a whole. There are parts that don't but as a whole it really holds up
0: i cannot think of another film that's 20 years old like around that's contemporary of this one like we we did gladiator i thought that i think that's still a great film i think that holds up really well um even some of the cgi and some of like the shots and so the minute they used a the miniature for the coliseum i thought was really well done um but like I can't really think of anything else that's this good. Well, and there,
2: there weren't a lot of movies back then that were epic like this. Like
0: we right. didn't have a lot of movies that were at the scale of
2: these movies.
0: Right, absolutely. And then the best part is, is this, this is the as Matt said, this is the battle scene to end all battle scenes. Like, yes. like, like I mean, even some like really great, well done, like Dunkirk. It was really great you know christopher nolan um i mean that's some some pretty epic battle seasons like i but that's you know just a couple years old and i mean i put i put i put helms deep right up against it man like it's just crazy. yeah for sure it's just really crazy i can't think
1: of one that challenges helms deep yeah like i feel like some super fans could say the third movie, The Attack on Minister, challenges challenges it, but I, I... Cinematography, I don't think it holds up to
4: Helm's Deep.
3: And like I said, uh, the since this movie was made, every film of the same genre that has a large battle scene, a big, large-scale battle scene, judges itself against the Helm's Deep battle scene. And I think it's gonna be that way for many years to come where that this is going to be the, the, the bar against which all medieval style sword and shield battle scenes are measured. Yeah.
0: Like I loved the, 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 I loved the siege of Jerusalem and kingdom of heaven another Orlando bloom film. Mm-hmm. That's after yeah. this man, yeah. Orlando this... bloom really got typecast after this. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, Except for an Elizabeth Town, whatever the fuck that was, I don't know what <laughs> they tried to try to make him a rom com actor. Um, and then he was a pirate, <laughs> and then he yeah. was a pirate. Yeah, still, still had a yeah, still standing bow, We got a sword. Yeah. <laughs> um. But um. But yeah, yeah, man, this this film's terrific. So, uh, I think we've I think we've dragged this on pretty good. The last here's uh we'll we'll end this with the last question here which is our our, always is our curveball segment which is brought to you by dunbarton tobacco and trust fastballs or curveballs it doesn't matter since the company's inception steve saka has been knocking them out of the park seven consecutive years in the consensus top three yep congratulations to our good friend mr steve saka so closing question um we've, we've talked a lot about how this has aged well peter jackson's still around um, you know, so and there's other contemporaries that are, you know, I would I would put in this category of brilliance and everything like that. But could you could you make this film better today? Today's technology.
1: You cannot improve upon perfection.
3: Because.
1: I think you can't get better actors today than what they cast in a lot of these roles. I agree with that.
3: Yeah, I'm. I agree as well. It's there. I mean, we've all seen remakes before, and how many times have they met or um, or exceeded the greatness of the the original? It's it doesn't really happen very often.
2: For for a movie like this, in order for a like, I, I know Bear's question is really if, if it was made today instead of then mm-hmm. but thinking of it as a remake is much simpler like if you were to remake this movie the only time you could remake it is when technology has surpassed what this movie did by so far that uh, you can make a meaningful difference between the effects of this movie and the effects of the movie you could make today you right. are certainly not at that point. Like, if you made this po- movie now, the only way you could make it as good as it was back then would be to have a director like Peter Jackson who's like, I need to do miniature work. We need map paintings. We need practical effects. We're not doing everything in CGI. And that's absolutely not happening in Hollywood right, right now. I completely agree. There would be a
1: massive over reliance on CGI
4: in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> this movie. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It would just be everything CGI. Uh, that's the end of it. Like Helm's Deep, the entire thing would be CGI and it would be yeah, not necessarily terrible, but it wouldn't hold up against what we already have.
3: And production costs today would be a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. It would be ridiculous.
2: Yeah,
1: it'd be ridiculous. I mean, Power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I think, I don't know if Bear, you plan on talking about it, but I feel like that's conveniently we didn't plan on doing this the same year that rings of power came out. Yeah. New Lord of the rings content coming out the same year. I mean, none of us want to talk about the Hobbit movies, but (laughs) it's interesting. We're doing this.
0: They are mysteriously absent from today's discussion. Yes. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But it's interesting. I'm not sure what to think about rings of power yet. I don't know if you guys have gotten to watch it,
2: but Uh, I haven't finished it. Um, we, we started watching the first episode, and my son wandered in. I mean, we his computer is, like, 10 feet from the living room. So it's no surprise, because he can see it from his seat. Uh, but he, like, wandered in and was like, I want to watch this, and started watching it. And he's like, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? And then they said something about Galadriel, and he's like, I remember Galadriel. He's 10, by the way. Uh, and, like, <laughs> he was into it. Completely, like completely focused he stopped whatever he was doing and he just wanted to watch it we watched the first three episodes and then he kind of was like all right i gotta go play roblox now and uh, <laughs> we haven't wandered back to it yet nice uh but i i was very impressed with what i saw like it's it's good which surprised me i i wasn't expecting it to be good like it's uh
4: it's game of thrones good I'm curious your thoughts.
0: I just no, I absolutely know. Like I, much to your much to your comment, like yeah, I just don't have. I don't see how you can improve upon. You know, as imperfect as the movie is, you know, from time to time, it's. I think it's. I I think it's just too perfect. I think it's. I think it's incredibly well done. Um, Like everything, everything about it: the editing, the cinematography, the makeup, the lighting, like the direction, the acting. Everything. I think it's just too good. I I, I think, think
2: we should revisit this question in fifty years, and see where yeah. we're
0: at. On like you that, know, that's on, the only on take seven thousand.
2: Yeah, that that's <laughs> the only time I can see having a different answer to this question is like when technology has changed so much. Yeah, everything on screen is photo real, and like you can't tell the difference between an actor and a CGI character.
3: So just for reference, I was just curious. I went back and looked. So the production budget for the two towers was only ninety-four million dollars. Oh that's my- it. That's crazy. The production cost for and uh, uh, just pick something relatively recent that was large scale. The uh, uh, the last Star Wars film, the the Rise of Skywalker, two hundred and seventy-five million dollar production budget.
2: Yeah, like uh 2 250 to 300 is like where movies of this caliber are these days. Yeah. And inflation hasn't changed that much.
3: So I would think if they were to remake all three films now, it would be 500 million per film. Yes. Minimum. Yeah, I think that's fair. The way that they
2: did I, it. I read that during the uh the filming of the Helms Deep like uh segment like the three or four months that that took at the end they gave every extra a shirt that said i survived helms deep and every <laughs> actor and there were extras in like random parts of new zealand who would like be in a grocery store and see somebody with that t-shirt and be like that's awesome wow we were both there
3: <laughs> nice
2: we both survived helms deep because because there were thousands of extras like that's how many like the scale of this movie has still not been done again.
0: And it probably won't ever be like, I I don't
2: think so because it, it was at kind of a magic time where we were in between old school, practical effects and visual, like digital visual effects. Um, yeah. And now we're squarely in visual effects. Like there are, there are movies that do things practically, but there's no movie that does it at this scale there's no movie over a hundred million dollars budget that actually does practical effects for most of the movie
3: right
4: all
0: right guys any final thoughts you want to share before we put this one to bed
3: great movie watch it great movie then watch it again
0: seen it what are you doing
1: yeah, <laughs> go watch the whole trilogy extended editions. You will not. So we're, we're com-
2: twelve hours of awesome.
0: We're coming in about three and a half hours, guys. So we covered basically the film and the appropriate film time. So I think we did good.
2: Nice. We we
0: averaged the extended edition. And the <laughs> yeah, yeah, <theatrical pretty> good. <laughs> so um, I the, the only thing left to ask is twentieth uh, anniversary return of the king is next year. Uh, band back together? Oh, I'm would, in.
3: I would I would love to.
0: Without without hesitation, Sam, you don't get a choice. You're you're going to be there, so it's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, all right. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, this was this was so much fun. Um, this was my favorite, um, my favorite, my favorite of the three films as we talked about earlier. And uh, and I'm really excited to talk about the Return of the King because it's not my favorite of the three. Uh, it's my least favorite, so it'll be really interesting to kind of revisit that and then and then hear. But I'm, 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 I'm open for that, for my mind to change over the course of the next, uh, you know, next year or whatever, you know, however many months we, we go between this and everything. So, um, really appreciate everyone staying up late with us, nerding out with us. We had a, we had a group of great nerds uh, tonight, uh, including a huge nerd. Um, and, uh, it was just, it was a lot of fun. We love doing this. I love diving into cinema. Um, it's one of my favorite things is just film in general. I love, I love film. It's. It's beautiful. It's magical. It takes us to places, including Middle Earth, and uh, and back, and there and back again. A tail, right? Did not do that on purpose. A little too cheeseball. <laughs> I'm fucking. I'm fucking tired. Who cares? Anyway, uh, really appreciate all those likes, shares, and comments, guys. Keep them coming. Thanks for staying up late with us. Uh, you can always check us out on our YouTube channel, Ellos Fumar. Uh, check out our Facebook page, Ellos Fumar, for all of our upcoming guests, including next week's guest. We will have Sin Coburn of Dissident. Uh, cigars. She'll be our guest uh, on uh, next Sunday evening. So uh, enjoy everyone. I hope I wish all of you guys and all of our audience a very happy Thanksgiving this week. Uh, stay close to your family and give thanks uh, to everything that you are grateful for. Uh, for Bear Duplicy live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azle, Texas. I'm Bear Duplicy. He's Matt Ty. He's Sam Spencer. And he's Trip Waldrop. Guess what, everybody? We'll see you next
5: time.